0: You're listening to the Where Alright Podcast, hosted by Brandon Ursegg. Here we are again for another episode as we draw closer to season's end. This week we have a guest I wasn't necessarily sure whether he'd want to come on, but now that he's here, all the listeners are in for an absolute treat. There are a lot of good stories to tell, and I know he's keen to get on the track for some of the training tonight, so we'll get stuck straight into introducing him, but we might have to do a part two as well um, based on that. He has a long, he's had a long career in footy, both in playing and coaching. He's playing career, saw him play 75 waffle games for Claremont, along with 78 AFL games, prominently at the Frio Dockers, but also at the West Coast Eagles, which would put him in a pretty exclusive club to have played for both of the WA clubs. Uh, he was also the coach of the Swan District's Colts team across two, two stints, the first for three years, which included seeing him become a, a Premiership coach before coming back years later for one more year. In between, he he was also the head coach of the league side in the Waffle for seven years um, with a a pretty successful stint in a lot of those years. He was also then the talent manager at the club for four years, I believe, prior to re-entering the coaching fray as the reserves coach this year. And what I've just mentioned is what he has officially done. In his, I think, 16-year involvement with the club, he has done many things and helped many young people with their development, both as footballers and people along the way, and there was a lot of um. There was a lot of feedback that he was always there to lend a helping hand to people as well. Um. And finally, one thing I'm sure he'd like me to say, even if it's self proclaimed, he does lay claim to being the original and true, um, king of Albany. Uh. So we have none other than Greg Stiffy Harding. Stiff, how are you going?
1: <laughs> the mayor, mate. It's not the king, but the mayor. <laughs> the but, mayor. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, I'm going well, mate. And uh, that was a very extensive uh, intro, mate. You did well.
0: You're happy with it? Well, yeah, none of it was true. but, <laughs> <laughs> um, And I, I heard you on Sport FM this morning, so I'm hoping that you saved your best stuff for
1: here. 100%.
0: Yeah. Um, h- how's it going anyway? Just quickly, the reserves season today and being back coaching. How's that going?
1: Yeah, I've loved it. It's it's a really good bunch of boys. Like, yeah, every once in a while, like, playing groups change, don't they? Like, one year it can be... Like a really quiet group, other years can be really extroverted and then you get these weird mixes that sometimes gel together and uh, these groups are just a great bunch of boys and and guys that are going through there like Mitch Bain and and Sebby Bright. There's some different kids there but uh, it's the sort of group that, you know, we're not quite getting it right at the moment. We've had a pretty tough last month but you you know because of the quality of character that's there, they'll they'll get their, their... Shit together for one of a better terminology um, <laughs> with a couple of games left, and we're going to finish top three and get a double chance. So, um, yeah, I've got no doubt they'll get going.
0: And it's exciting, it's exciting yeah. for the club when it doesn't matter what grade it is, is playing some finals footy.
1: Yeah, no, if we can get to Optus Stadium on grand final day, that'd be a good reward for effort for, and a, for a long pre season.
0: An unreal experience, too. Mm. All right, first one, I'll ask every guest the same thing. We'll speak about your time at the footy club in a little bit more detail, but just give us a quick rundown on where and how your journey at the club started.
1: Yeah, well, I was um, actually coaching some amateur footy at Wesley Curtin um, and Brendan Parker at the time and and Peter Harvey were sort of floating around and asked me if I'd like to come down and do a bit of coaching. And, yeah, I didn't actually really sort of know at the time that I was getting asked to coach the Colts. I must admit, like, Chad Morrison, who I knew pretty well, was – coming off the Premiership in 2007 with Nick Nat and Wes Lamy and you know, Josh Pullman and this, yeah, you know, Rancy and all these amazing players. I remember sitting down in Brendan's office and um, Chad's actually walked in to the office as I was there And said, oh, listen, we need to catch up about 2008. As Brendan was asking me to coach, he hadn't even been told. And I was like, oh, this is bad. (laughs) (laughs) Because I knew Chad from West Coast Games, he's a ripping fella. And I was like, oh, this is not good. But that's how it started. I got asked to come in 2008 and I inherited – off chad this amazing team which was Sonny walters and neville Jetta and jared blight and toddy banfield and all these incredible players yeah um so basically just got handed another flag in 2008 because we were so superior
0: yeah well this premiership coach is a premiership coach though That's but exactly i didn't on. i didn't realize you were coaching averages and probably one thing i should say in, it sound like a dig at your age, but it's not. Um, doing a bit of research, you know, the, there wasn't as much info and stats uh, going back that far. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, so oh, I'm going to learn a fair bit today. Uh, <laughs> Wikipedia, mate, it's everywhere. You yeah, nah. know, I've had a fair look. Um, <laughs> I mentioned, mentioned off the top that you're from Albany, so yep. born and raised
1: there? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, nah, nah. born out near the race course there in uh, Robinson Estate and... Yeah, like I was really lucky to play for. There's there's three big clubs there, so Royals and North Albany and Railways. Yeah. So Royals was where I grew up playing all my football. Yeah. Um, my dad was coach and the fairest and best winner down there, and um, a bit of a legend down there. And. A uh, bit of a sort of similar story to Tommy Edwards. yeah, You know, like his old man Leith was an absolute superstar, 300-odd games and so forth, and, and he made his way from Albany up to Perth to play some footy and very, very similar uh, mm. because, you know, we came up. Uh, sort of was, wasn't going to – we had a farm down down there and farmed goats, of all things, oh, yeah. Angora goats, which is an exciting farming <laughs> 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 um, story. But, um, yeah, went down there, never thought I'd come up, and then the old lady got a bit crook. Uh, and she had to come to Perth for um for treatment, and then sort of found myself at Claremont through the zoning rules. So yeah, then okay. ne- never never sort of went back after that. Just played Colts, and yeah, part of a really successful little Colts group, and then flowed through to Jared Neesham and Mark Riley, who went on to AFL roles, and mm. um yeah, went from there.
0: Yeah, and was footy, um obviously with the um with the Royals, it was a, mm. it was a part of your, your life growing up, pretty significant one. But was playing like oh, I suppose Waffle VFL AFL like the dream as a kid? Was that a big part of your sort of what you wanted to do when you were growing up?
1: Nah, like not at all. Like you just play footy, you know. Like you're playing footy, um, enjoying yourself, playing with your mates. I never thought because from the country you never sort of think that you can actually get to that level and it was only by sort of happenstance for want of a better terminology that, you know, as I said, my mum got crook. She had to come up to Perth for some chemotherapy and Mm. I went, I'll go down and have a crack at that. At Claremont, so it only sort of came about by that, and then I never really thought, even when I was playing Colts, that I was up to the level of probably three quarters of my Colts team, because um, we were winning a couple of flags at the time and at, uh, at Claremont, and um, and then yeah, I just yeah, to be honest, mate, the AFL thing really happened by chance because I was really really luck- lucky that Jared Neesham thought I could play. No one else in the country would have thought. You know would have known who I was but Jared Neesham because he'd been at Claremont and watched me come through the Colts and that's sort of how I fell into that but never planned for it or really had any aspiration to be fair when I was a kid growing up
0: yeah right there mm. you go. And, yeah I suppose everyone's got a different sort of path don't you because you have yeah. some that are really right into it and then others yeah. that are sort of fall well, fall into it for lack of a better term or whatever but yeah it's, it's, it's always interesting to hear so Are there any other sports that you were sort of decent at or heavily involved with growing up? I'm guessing the interest in horses stemmed from Albany. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But were there Uh, any other sports?
1: uh, Sort of the the horses came later when uh, I got married and my wife uh, obviously was heavily involved in in horses and her old man was a bookmaker and her her granddad was a a horse trainer back in the day. So it wasn't very horse-orientated back in the day, but I was a lot of soccer, a heap of tennis, um CNS country championship <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> right. um, <laughs> yeah, no. I'm quite a little, <laughs> as you drive into Perth, it's now an old country music um <laughs> fraternity, right? All the courts are gone and like, ah, no, nah, clean them up. A <laughs> uh, lot of lot of tennis, a lot of soccer. I loved my golf when I was a kid. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's um it just really trend. never never liked cricket, couldn't stand out in the field for that long. Um, but yeah, loved loved those sports and but. Pretty early on, I really, really did at junior level love my footy, and that was always the the, the sport that I always loved to play.
0: Yeah, yeah. But had a had a bit of a range, which is always good too, and probably helps yeah. with footy. Um, you touched on moving to Perth. How old were you when? How old were you when you made the move to Perth? And I'm am guessing you were living with family when you came to Perth.
1: Yeah, living with mum and dad. My two sisters had left home. My two sisters are a little bit older than me, yeah. uh, and they went off and nursing and being coppers and stuff and um yeah I moved up to Perth and did year twelve up here at Senior High School. Okay. Um brilliant school. This is the best school. Like I remember going to North Albany down and in um there's North Albany and there's Albany and Albany's sort of like the private school and North Albany's like the rougher one. Yeah, I used to have the shit kicked out of I me mean, like a lot down there, but you know, like we it was a pretty rough <laughs> at times old North Albany. And um yeah so I, I used to go there and um I've lost my train of thought. Which way were we going there? We were talking
0: about where, what age you were when you moved oh, to Perth. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So you're then, around...
1: I went, then I went to to Wilton, yeah. up in Perth, and it was just amazing sports school. Like, yeah. Yeah, it was basketball and footy and cricket and, yeah, just a, just a completely different feel at that, that school and great teachers and great people that guided your education as well. I couldn't speak highly enough of that school as a ripper.
0: Yeah. So you would have been around 17 then?
1: Yeah, turning 17, I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So
0: did you, um just quickly, did you play any senior footy in Albany before you came?
1: Uh, no, not one. No. Yeah. Nah, not one. Played, yeah, played Colts, and then, um, yeah, came up and was trying out as a, I think, a seventeen-year-old to try and play Colts, and then wasn't getting a game because it was very, really strong. Mm. And then my old man, who's a bit of a lunatic, he, uh, <laughs> we, he, we used to drive down to Albany to play games of footy at Royals when I wasn't getting a game at Claremont. It was, yeah, a, right. it, was, it was ridiculous, but that's what we used to do. So yeah. um fair yeah. commitment. Yeah, fair commitment. Yeah. But, um, nah, never played senior footy at Rawls. I actually regret that I didn't because, I, yeah, I love the club. Yeah, right,
0: fun. yeah. Um, so your first level of footy that you played at Claremont, moving on to Claremont, was uh, Colts footy, obviously. Mm. And how many years would you have... How many years would you have would gotten a full season through Colts footy? Because you were pretty young when you played league, which we'll get to.
1: Yeah, I, I think the first year, I got glandular fever, I remember that, and I sort of missed the back end of the year. Probably, oh, I reckon I might have played eight or ten games that first year as an underager, and then my last year, which was my 18th year, um, I can't even remember what year it was, maybe 92, something like that, but that was the year where Smarty took over halfway through the year. Um, or was coaching? I can't even remember. And um, and then we won that flag. And I would have played the full season that year yep. um, at Colts level. So yeah, had a great fun year and had some really really good players going through that system. Yep. Um, yeah, we were we was yeah significantly superior that year for mm.
0: sure. Uh, and 1995 was the year that you made your debut, your yep. league debut for mm. Claremont, which is when you were 18, going on 19. Yep. Uh, did you play much, Did you play reserves footy prior to making your Debut? Did you play a bit of senior footy in the reserves, or did you go straight up into league footy? No,
1: nah, I definitely came through the twos. Yeah, um, there was there was a a coach there that played for North Melbourne. He was a star, and his name was going to say Keith Holt. That played for North Melbourne. Yeah, Bit and I think as well like superstar. And he was one of the best coaches I've ever had. And, and um, I was playing with Graham Moss's son Nathan. I remember, and we we're just having a ball playing twos. Like we weren't even very good, but we were just having so much fun. And and then Jared and and Mark Blakely had control of the league at that stage. And, um, yeah, I think I think Jared had gone in preparation to – if that was 90, at the back in 94, he'd gone and then Mark Blakely had taken over. and Yeah, I just remember getting a few games. It might have even been Daryl Penizra. My memory's bad. But it might have <laughs> been even under Daryl Penizra in 1995. I don't know. But another Royals boy from Albany. But um, yeah. I think he only played seven or eight games that year and wasn't very good. Broken arm. Um, but yeah, it was it was a great grounding playing waffle as a kid. It was still, and it still is a very very good competition. I remember playing on Barry Cable's son Shane and um, and uh, Menangola against Swans and getting my head kicked in. You know, and getting whacked. Um, yeah, I was, Andrew Lockyer was still playing at East Frio and just Doricich. Uh, yeah. was yeah. was playing. I remember playing a country game against. The big fella Doro and him running through me when I was a kid. It was just there was still some really really good old players that have come back to the competition. It was just a great grounding as Oracle.
0: Yeah. Do you do you remember much about your first league game and making your debut? Like, did you get your jumper present presented to you by anyone, or do you remember the build up and I'm, getting told that I'm you were <laughs> going to play league?
1: Not really. I, I, I can't. I remember the aftermath because it was. There was a guy called Darren Wright who sort of took me under his wing. He wasn't a well known Claremont player, but he sort of he always was really good to me. Um and I remember he was a really good looking player. Um real smooth mover. And what he did, we played at East Frio and Andrew Lockie played and we we won. And back in the day, like it wasn't like just home games you had Prezos, you had them at away games and all your supporters had come back. Yep. Um so Wright he said to me, he goes like because you'd go back to the club and at Claremont Oval, there's a coach's room basically underneath the old grandstand, not there, there now, and there's a dungeon. Um, <laughs> and everyone would go back to this room. Um, anyway, so it was rain, it was raining cats and dogs at the end of the game and Roddy goes, mate, because well, it's your first game, you've got to like, bring food to the, to the coach's box, which I didn't. But he <laughs> just said I did, right? So he made me late. So I'm going back... Um, oh, I've picked up like a couple of chickens from Red Rooster <laughs> and all these chips and stuff because it's my first game and then end up being late, go down into the coaches' rooms. Everyone's stoked because I'm late, but I've all got all these food, foods so they're really <laughs> happy as well. But back in the day, and, you know, we shouldn't be talking about it, but uh, we used to have funnels every single game at Clamwoods. <laughs> so they'd bring the funnel out. And I remember like they Not just... Not pre-game. Yeah, yeah, No, no, post-game. This I is was after say, the game. I yeah, so I'm, so I'm late. So i got one for first game, one for being late, uh, one for each chicken or boar. And <laughs> I ended up doing I was 18 and barely drank. And I think I had five or six funnels and, uh, and just was, yeah, I couldn't, couldn't scratch myself. I was, I was dehydrated from the game. That was what I recall was how I got an absolute stitch up after the yeah, game. Yeah, right. I had five funnels in and just had to get carried home at the end of the day. Yeah,
0: interesting. Yeah. Um, did you win? Did you win that? Uh, yeah, we won that yeah, game. Yeah.
1: I remember. I remember that game because Andrew Lockie was playing full forward, and I was terrified of him. Yeah, you, that, that was my. You memory weren't really. you weren't
0: playing on him though. No,
1: I wasn't playing no. on him. Um, but he, yeah, we were reasonably strong in '95. I think we were okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just remember, and um, I had some you know, wicked senior players around me like Darren Clem, um, and these sorts of guys and Robbie Malone, and yeah, real senior heads that are. Big men, you know, like looking after me. But yeah, I just remember being
0: everyone being real big. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I imagine it would have been even more of a man's game back then.
1: Um, yeah, it seems like I don't know. They just seem to be. My memory is this: lot like there were just bigger humans around. Whether it was just it was you know, Lockie, Dorotich, those sorts of guys. Yeah, you know, like. It, um, there were some big boys sort of starting their footy as well, like Brett Spinks and those sorts of guys as well. They just seemed like a big back then, I'm not sure whether yeah. that's 100% correct
0: oh, That was probably my recollection even watching later on when I was watching growing up before I played any, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that, it is the case, no. but it's definitely looked like it. Uh, so... In that first game or maybe just at any point in 95 in those eight games you played, did you have like a welcome to the league moment? There's a few guys who have come on here and talked about or maybe like sort of a half moment or a moment where mm. it was sort of like welcome to the league because I'm guessing transitioning through the levels to league footy, mm. it would have been pretty serious in terms of physicality and you being an 18-year-old at the time.
1: Yeah, there were two and the first one was I, I remember playing on John Dorotich and we played – I'm gonna say we played out at Corridor, like somewhere like Corridor. It was out in the, you know, out in the wheat belt somewhere. And Doridge came out of full forward and I sort of had to sort of stand in front of him and try to tackle me, and he hit me and I couldn't feel my right side of <laughs> my body, hit me that hard. Like and basically just bounced off, kept going. I still recall it. And just it I just got this whole basically a stinger, but down one side of my body. Cause like Doro would have been maybe 110 kilos and I, I sort of would, would have started at low seventies. So you're giving away 30 kilos, something like that. <laughs> yeah. And, and it, I just remember just going, holy crap, I don't think I can do that against these <laughs> blokes. And the other one was um, – and the other one I recall was playing against Darren Capewell who played at East Freo, a very, very good player. Um, and I was sort of tasked it. He was at half forward. I was half back and had to you know, Jared you know, have an arm across, all that sort of stuff. And he just grabbed me and slung me to the ground that hard, like just pick me up. And I can't even recall whether it was a free kick or not, but I'd put my arm out and just snap my arm, like mm. both bones in my arm because he just went whack and it wasn't even a free kick. It was just like he was like, do not touch me, kid. And he just went and just monstered me into the ground and probably now he'd probably get five, six weeks. Yeah. But, yeah, I snapped my arm and missed the back end of the year because he just monstered me.
0: Yeah,
1: and and I just didn't know it was coming. So Mm -hmm. that was probably the two that I can remember still 30 years ago.
0: That's pretty brutal. Like, yeah, that wouldn't be happening these days without punishment attached to it. Wouldn't have thought. Nah. (laughs) Uh, See, that was a pretty interesting time as well, given it was Fremantle's first year in the AFL. Um, There was a national draft in place back then, but in doing a bit of research, I saw that you were eventually picked up as a pre-draft zone selection um, and I think Freeman or Brisbane Bears and Sydney actually all had some of those at the time. Mm. Did you know a fair way out that you were going to end up at Freer because of that or did that change anything in terms of I suppose the process after you finished playing a bit of footy in 95 for league and then in the lead up to I suppose the draft period?
1: No, nah, well like my, my recollection in 95 is that I was at Claremont but we were still involved in that squad so there were guys like Michael Clark. Um, who ended up at Freo and, and Collingwood and I'm going to say potentially James Clement, you know two, three time All-Australian Trent Carroll, who's a cousin of mine I'm thinking Craig Callahan as well like there were just a big group of boys that trained together mm. um, and back then because of the Claremont involvement, there was a lot of kids that Jared liked and he had him in this squad training and I, I just remember one day, the, this is how it happened for me is like we are all at training and then Jared came across and he goes, well, I'm going to put you on the list. And just walked off because he was pretty – very confident. So that was yeah. that Claremont no, 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 training? Uh, no, this was at the, uh, this academy, basically yeah, the academy okay. training. With young Freda. guys, yeah. Yeah, so it was just probably a group of from recollection, 30, 40 boys that used to catch up and train as part of this group that Fremantle sort of were going to pick three or four players from. And I was just really lucky that I was one of those, Yeah, you know. And um, I just remember going home and not really knowing whether that was – Going to happen or not? It yeah. was like because it was so matter of fact. It's like oh, we're going to put you on the list. It's like well, what list is it? Is it another training training on list? Whatever. <laughs> it was literally like that. did A give couple, you of much. Hour, <laughs> couple of hours later, it was like yeah, they come in and we'll sign a contract and all that sort of stuff. And I we'll signed for signed for fifteen thousand. sign on. That yeah. was that was my that was my base and yeah. I think twelve fifty a game. Yeah. Lucky lucky I played eighteen games my first year. Yeah, but, um, yeah, yeah you did. Yeah, yeah. bought a Daewoo Cielo. <laughs> uh, that's what I bought. But yeah, that was that was what I I, I signed for, it was yeah, a fifteen thousand right. dollar retainer and I was on an archive list. you pretty would cool. have been, you would have been pretty happy stoked. about the 15, <laughs> the fifteen at the time Absolutely especially. Yeah, yeah. And then I bought that Daewoo Cielo and then I totaled it. So it was <laughs> that was an absolute disaster. But yeah, it was um yeah, played eighteen games my first year yeah. I and mean, I think made I think I made maybe thirty six, thirty seven thousand. 37000 and played nearly every game.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so the, I suppose the the transition in terms of you just being in Perth, playing a bit of footy at Claremont to the point where you might have thought that you could be – did you think that you'd be a chance at any stage during 95 of being on an AFL list in 96 or did it completely come out unexpectedly out of the blue? No,
1: I I must admit that I didn't. Yeah, you you hoped. Yeah, you yeah, You definitely yeah. you definitely hoped, and the back then Frio could actually have like pretty big squads, so you it was a it was a big squad. So you thought, gee, or well, they might be able to put you on? Mm. Um, but as I said, you know, I was such a well, you wouldn't know it now, but back then I was just so underdeveloped for the game physically, and I, and guys like James Clement and you know even Callas was a little strong, not yeah. head of a human and. Michael Clark was six foot four and developing, and um, yeah, as I said James, James Clement, Trent Carroll. Like I'm just thinking about those guys, and again, I just compared to me, I was so physically underdeveloped, and they were big, strong, sort of almost men. So I, I always remembered that I really doubted that I'd be physically capable of doing it, and even if I did think I was good enough, which I didn't, so I just sort of it, it really did sort of get forced upon me a little bit. You know, I, I didn't hold out any great expectations because of, I just, I just felt like I was always a long way
0: back. Mm. Mm. So I, I'm guessing based on that answer, no, no interest from any other clubs at any stage? Zero. Yeah.
1: Zero. Like no, man, like no manager, I'd never even thought about having a manager. My dad would have probably killed a manager, mind you, if I had <laughs> got one. But um, yeah, no, like, not like today, like now where yeah. kids think they're a chance. So they just go, oh, bang, I'm going to get a manager. And there was none of that. It was just like, I'm in that squad, I'm training. Probably not going to happen. So no manager, and then bang, you you just yeah, you just thrust into it.
0: Yeah, given cool. given um, given that you, I think you, it's probably a testament to the way you went about it um, with how much you played early. Because uh, it will go into like a little bit of how much you played, but just before that, what was it like rocking up at Freo? Like. Oh, I'm guessing it's different now because the facilities and the professionalism of the club in terms of how it was run and how much you had available was probably nothing compared to now. But, like, what are your recollections of actually rocking up and to your first pre-season and, and training?
1: Yeah, well, like, you couldn't get a park, basically, because <laughs> training was at Bicton Pool, all right? So there's no parking at Bicton Pool. It's just a road that basically goes down to the to the water polo pool. And, and Jared's whole family had grown up there because they were Australian water polo players. So a lot of our preseason was there, um, and then we trained on the oval up above the tennis courts. So you'd basically walk up and train, um, and it's blowing a gale. It's really exposed on top of that cliff, um, and then we'd go and do weights. and Jared didn't believe in weights, so you just there was a little square room which may have been sort of seven meters by seven meters square, with racks in the middle with barbells that were already preset to certain weights. And Jared was told that he had to get a weights coach. So our first weights coach was a Chinese water, water polo player called Yang Yong. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> And Yang Yong, know, like you went in there and we, we did our weights. So I was like low seventies. Yeah. And our whole preseason was around swimming and you know getting fit that way. And water polo was a lot about two on ones and that taking two on ones. Can't take a two on one if you can't swim, and none of us could swim, and certainly Winston Abraham and these guys, like, they just are horrific swimmers. Yeah. there was, yeah, comparatively to even what a waffle side is now, yeah, what we were in '96. Well, I was, I didn't play in '95 the first year, but what I look back now and go, it was just so far off the level. And I don't know what the other AFL clubs were doing at that point in time but it was so far off the level and sort of when I finished in 2003 and saw, you know, the real, I reckon the real introduction of next level S&C was sort of that West Coast period, 04, 05, 06 with Cousins Braun and these incredible runners. Mm. Um, You look at it and it's just, it's unrecognisable, the pre-season.
0: Yeah, it's incredible how far I suppose it's come, but then I suppose it's probably a little bit annoying that you didn't get to experience it. Uh, and see what you could have done at its peak, but there's probably pros and cons to yeah. It was to how, back how it was and then how yeah, yeah how it became. Um, given it was Frio's second season leading into '96, so they'd just done their first season. Who was sort of leading the way at the time when you got there, and then like through that first summer because they uh, they would have recruited guys in like yeah. Ben Allen was. Ben Allen was a yeah. superstar. He was so, my favourite. Yeah. Okay. So, but who else was leading the way? Because obviously, Not many. club. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Not many. Like to be honest, I reckon the one of the. I look back now and go. Yeah, Stephen O'Reilly was a star. He came back from Geelong and had played in the ninety. I think both grand finals, ninety two, ninety four against West Coast. Yep. At, at fullback, and he was a star and a and a professional. Um. Ben Allen was incredible for me. You know, he'd get me out of bed on, on a game day and take me down to Port Beach and go get in the water and we'd swim around for half an hour and sort of was a he was my first introduction to sort of the next steps of being a footballer. But outside of that, he got injured pretty early. Um, and then yeah, as a as a as a leader, like he was incredible when he was playing. And then when he as he got injured, it sort of drifted away for him a bit. But that was probably the thing. We we we'd recruited we'd recruited a lot of probably sort of for one of it, I don't want to be too detrimental nah, nah. to other. but B and C, B, B, B C grade players yeah. out of the AFL. Yeah. Um, and they came back and their preparation, I suppose, looking back was B and C grade mm. standard. And therefore, a lot of what was happening, we had some great concessions to get players in um, and that talent got us through to a point but didn't allow us to get much further than that you know like the 96 was the was a year where i thought we were um, my first year um and we were in great nick but then we just everyone broke down mm. i think the last game of the year was was against melbourne and that was back when there was only three on the pine and i think we only had we had four blokes that weren't, couldn't go on the ground <laughs> one of them i think dale Kickett, it was on with a bro with a hamstring and the other three on the on the bench couldn't play and the wizard kicks seven or eight. Like well, Jeff Farms yeah, kicked yeah. seven or eight lost by a hundred. But I reckon if we had it got through, if we won, we were in finals. If we got, had it got through, we would have lost the first final by a million points. Yeah, okay. Because everyone just broke down.
0: Yeah, so it just wasn't at the level it needed it to wasn't be. wasn't at the level,
1: mm. yeah. Jared was like, in saying that, Jared was the best coach I've ever had. Like, incredible coach in terms of in smarts and, and, and footy now. And where footy is now, he was there 25 years ago. Um, it was just the rest. It yep. was the preparation. It was the recovery. It was the weights. It was all that. Yeah. It just wasn't quite there.
0: Yep, yep. You, you had a... You must have had a decent summer because you debuted in round one against the Eagles in a mm. derby. Um, did you think you were a chance leading in to that first game to play? Did you have any inkling that you were going to play round one?
1: Nah, nah. We played these – they had a lightning carnival where we actually went and played like a number of 20-minute half games okay. at Waverley. And that was sort of went okay. I had one half-decent one against Hawthorne, I think, from from memory. And then we played – we got through to the semi. We played at Adelaide and we got pounded and I was horrific – um, and that was a, a little way out, and then we had one more practice game, and I was I was poor, and I was training horrible as well. Jared used to rate that I could kick and make a decision, so I trained all pre-season taking the kick-ins. So it was me and a guy called Scott Chisholm used to take them. Yeah, but I got the yips real bad, mm-hmm. like got to the point where I just couldn't hit a target. It was horrific, and um, and then so I was training so poorly, and, and I hadn't played that well, and I wasn't even, I didn't even think I was close, and then the they picked me, and then a minute into the game, Phil Gilbert, another Albany boy, um, and I Mount mean, Barker actually. But so Phil Gilbert broke his ankle in the first minute, and I was on. And I was, was playing that Kings.
0: that was during a time when uh, you if you if you're on the bench, you probably wouldn't play much. time. was that still it around been, then? Yeah, hundred yeah, percent. Okay.
1: you know, hundred percent. Like the Derby, um, even even three years later when we won our first Derby against West Coast, yeah. Ash Prescott, who is the coach, of Claremont now, yeah. Ash Prescott came on with like fifteen minutes to go in the game. Mm. I sat there until uh I sat there until five minutes to go in the half. Yeah, right. So there's no rotations. It was like if things are going good you you Just sit. Leave it. You sit. Yeah. yeah. And if you come off and the coach didn't like you, you're sitting for the rest of the game. <laughs> which happened a bit to me as well. But yeah, yeah no, it was um yeah, it was it was a bit like that back in the day.
0: Yeah, but uh, so you were just going back to that first game. You were shitting yourself a little bit, having to shitting come on myself. and take the kick-ins,
1: mate. Shitting myself, <laughs> but like it fixed. Like I came straight on, and West Coast were all over a slot they were for my like yeah. my. I think I won my first derby, which was the first one. for I won, that was my eighth derby or something. Yeah, um, and I came on, crapping myself, just never seen that many people. And the other thing as well for me is like. I grew up idolizing Dean Kemp yeah. and all these amazing – Eagle supporter players. growing Eagle up. Eagle supporter yeah. growing up. So it was, it was Back then it was Jackovic, McKenna, uh, Matera, yeah. Worsefold. I'm crapping myself because I'm hoping Worsefold doesn't like, get <laughs> off by Winnie. So Winnie Abraham, I'm watching him and Winston's screaming, right, because Woosje used to grab him by the love handles, like yeah. the fat, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and just twist. And Winnie would just spend the whole game running away – And when Busher did get to him, he'd just twist this fat off because Winnie was pretty tubby at the time. Yeah, And Winnie would never go near it, right? So, But, like, for me, I was out there, 40,000 people at Suby with all of my heroes. Like, like Dean Mm. Kemp was my favourite ever. Yeah. And, yeah, and then you just get thrown the ball to take your first kick in. And I just remember I saw – who was it? Played for Adelaide. um, Coach um, East Perth here a few years back in the twos. Uh, name escapes me, but I just saw him ripped it as far as I can, and he took this amazing mark. And then after that, sort of the nerves settled. Yeah, okay. away he went. But that totally. was, that was, um, that was my memory. Just kicking the first one, and he marked it. And I was like, okay, that's, you're away. That's
0: okay. Yeah. That's,
1: uh, that settled the nerves. If I had missed it, it could have been anything. It could have been horrific.
0: Yeah. Do you do you remember who you lined up on? Because you're playing half back. Yep. I' Yeah. Played half
1: back. Played on a really good mate of mine, Andrew Donnelly. Yep, yep. Who was ex Subi and went to West Coast and just beast runner. It was, it was. Hot. I remember just being how hot it was and just remember how, you know, quick it was and, um, yeah. No, it was, it's still. I, I still remember. Look, I've got a bad memory for a lot of things, but I'm really good memory for, like, the touches you got. Yeah, you know? and I think I think from memory I had 17. You did. And Spot I can, on. And I, got, I can, had that. Yeah, <laughs> I've read your notes, but no, I, I had <laughs> 17. I can nearly remember everyone. Then my first my first real kick because you didn't get a stat back from kicking out from fullback. Yeah. My first real <laughs> kick, I just dumped it into the main wing about seven deep. Like just got pushed as I kicked yeah, and right. out of bounds in the full. That yeah. was the first one. Yeah. yeah, I just remember you – know, Scott Chisholm taking a kick in and giving me a no-looker. He used to hit these no-look kicks out of, out of full-back. It was ridiculous. Mm. And he hit me in, but I'd looked away just before he'd hit it. <laughs> and as I've turned and it's basically hit me in the chest and I've caught it and just thought, oh, that was amazing. You know, but <laughs> I can just remember just everything of that day. It was, it was so much fun.
0: It's good to hear that because uh, yeah, it's nice to hear like, how special it was that moment yeah. as well. Uh, it's funny that you say that because we had Toby Watson on recently and he remembers his stats from just about every game. Yeah. game i, I honestly I game. Can't, yeah honestly can.
1: like, can't. like there'll be the odd time where someone will ring up and, and they play the old Foxtel games yeah yeah and it's like i can remember every i could commentate it it's yeah but it's probably because i have got so few touches you can remember
0: <laughs> <all>. well 17 <laughs> in your first game though is pretty good yeah no, that was pretty okay. good going that was okay yeah. and
1: then i just spent the last the I, I honestly remember at the end of the game i was spent five minutes just trying to run around shaking hands yeah. Trying to find camping and material. <laughs> That's all
0: I tried to do. And oh. That was probably
1: why we lost so many in a row. We had so much respect and we were yeah. a bit scared of them to be honest. Yeah those okay. days.
0: Yeah, which, but they had they had established they had established mm. players by then, to be fair as well. And you guys were still establishing yourselves as a footy club.
1: Yeah, yeah, we were. And they were genuine superstars. Uh, they but won,
0: won premierships by
1: then. Premierships as well. And they really did they really did treat us like the poor. Or the little brother, yeah. they beat up on us. Yeah, they wanted to keep
0: us there, and yeah. they did yeah. for a long period of time. Yeah, that, that was strategic. I'm guessing as well, like 100%. to keep you guys at bay. Um, you see, so you played. You mentioned it before. But you played all eight. Well, not all eight. You played 18 games in your debut year, and you actually got a Rising Star nomination in round four. So yeah, yep. had a really good year. Did you feel? Did you feel comfortable by um, season's end at the level? Um,
1: I got really comfortable early. Played on Greg Williams against Carlton. I was like, <laughs> uh, and that's when I won my rising Star. Oh, yeah? Yeah, that was wicked. What was? Did uh, you
0: go through the midfield then?
1: No, nah, no, nah, I played halfback. He went it, forward? No, nah, he played forward. He had a broken arm uh, and he was oh, getting yeah. old. And we played Carlton this day. They'd, they'd come off 15 wins the year before. I think they got 16 wins. Yeah. And it was round three or four. And So they'd won 18 on the trot plus the Grandy. And they were just flat as tax, like flat. And we were about seven to one, eight to one. And a guy called Nunzio de Gramina, who owned old Puppers in Frio, loaded up on us at the 40-plus. Really? Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we walked in. We used to go there every Monday. And uh, we walked in on the Monday afterwards, and we you always have a pasta feed. Go down the stairs if anyone's listening that uh, near the joint. <laughs> but, uh, went down there, and there used to be the tortellini and the spaghetti. We went in. And there's crayfish. There's Morton Bay bugs. There's everything. He <laughs> he's won a hundred grand on us, yeah. Like because he's backed us at the forty plus. We won by forty eight or whatever. Unreal. And then after that, like that that game, that game I remember getting really comfortable, um, and then I went to. Then I went, to Amy. It was the old Adelaide Oval, not Adelaide Oval, um, Amy Stadium. Yeah, yep, um, so yep, The yep. old Footy Park. Yeah. And I played on the Jarman Brothers. Nearly, I reckon, two weeks later, and got the biggest flogging I've ever had. Yeah. <laughs> and just went from being so high, you know, we, you know, the game after Carlton, we went to Sydney and played against Lockett and Derek Kickett and got them. So I think we were three and one early or whatever it was, and I was feeling so comfortable. You know, Mm. played well, rising star, you know, your pictures in the paper and on magazines and stuff like that. You go, no, this is good, and then just got an almighty flogging against the Jarman brothers and then just got dropped halfway through the year, quite rightly. I never really felt comfortable in 96, at the back end of 96. Yeah, okay. never felt comfortable. It Was '97 where I had a really good year, the best year I had. Yeah, and got really, yeah, really comfortable. It was the only, it was the only little period of play, probably for 15 games through that game where you had it under control. It was the only time in my career.
0: Yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, like looking through from '96 to '99, you played 62 of 88 games. Mm. So there was a half season in '98 and a few games missed in each of the other seasons. But I'm guessing i was, I actually read about various injuries, so I'm guessing some of those games missed was due to um a, f- a fair few injuries
1: yeah hundred percent the first that first year ninety six I missed two with concussion yeah um yeah got a got a big one and then ninety seven um i got absolutely destroyed by Stewie Lowe late in the year and broke my collarbone into seven eight bits and did an a c joint i had a, that was four games to go and played every game mm. i think to that point um and that was a year well i had a good, pretty good year like I'd, i think i come fifth in the fairest and best but missed the last four um but yeah and stewie just destroyed me didn't see him coming just got blindsided he'd literally get life if he did what he <laughs> did to me that day it's a, it's a very funny clip um and then the the following year i think i played the first eight and then broke an ankle so um yeah had a lot of the, and after that after that year 98 it's just, just yeah, disintegrated in terms of injury. Yeah,
0: well, I read I read 12 operations mm. during your um, time in the AFL. I don't know if that's mm. right or not, yeah, but right. yeah, 12 yeah. operations. So, But regardless, just going back to that period, I suppose, from 96 to 99, given that you played like a fair, fair bit of footy, it must have been a pretty good time in your life. Picked up for, by Frio, two club towns, so you would have been one of the hottest <laughs> tickets in Perth playing <laughs> AFL footy. Um, and no. look, but looking through some of your games, you played um, – Pretty consistent. Like you're talking about not getting many touches, but there were a lot of twenty touch plus games during that um, period. And you guys weren't um, playing finals, but or ne- much or necessarily, but you weren't slouches either. Like it wasn't no. like you came in like a Gold Coast or a GWS and weren't winning games at all. No. Um, so it must have been a pretty good time in your life through so it, that four year period.
1: Yeah, it was amazing. I was living with Percy at the time. Yeah, right. Yeah, like, like, so I was even at the the old monument up at um, above. Freo there Oh down Yeah on High Street Down Southway So me and Percy Lived in Nutsford Street um, And we literally Walked down to training Which was at Freo Oval And play footy And me and Percy would Go into Freo Nearly every night um, incredible, like, Frio was just amazing, I still miss it every time I get down there because you, you <laughs> couldn't spend a cent, like it was literally, you were a little bit rock starry yeah. going Frio, and you didn't have to That's be, right, yeah, yeah, but you didn't have to be good, this, and this, is, <laughs> this, is, the, this is the thing, is like, Freo, Freo was so tribal about their club, Yeah, you, know, you didn't have to be good to sort of be recognised and you, you go to the North Coast, you wouldn't spend a dollar, you go to, you go to what's the big ninety down there? Metro's. Uh, metro's, Yeah, Metros. You yeah. wouldn't spend a cent there. You go to Zanzibar, who some of our mates own. You wouldn't spend a cent. Zanzibar was a like, wicked night yeah, back in okay. the day. The clink down there, you couldn't spend a cent. You go to Quasar. Right, you wouldn't spend a cent. They had to cancel us from playing Quasar because you run around in the laser tag. Yeah. And we were running around. You'd run around for hours. <laughs> and a, a you'd get tired. And b, you'd run around a corner and blokes were getting cut and like and because you'd be running that hard. Yeah, right. Time zone free Queensgate cinemas free, nearly every restaurant you wouldn't have to pay for a thing. It yeah. was a bit yeah and and oh, we look back now and we sort of talk about those players that I spoke about, those senior players were recruited. You look back now and you looked at the Brody Hollands and the Jess Sinclairs and, and these players that came to us the good-looking young kids, are just within two games, they're strutting around because they're, they're talked about. Yeah. Because everything, because we were a new club, everyone's, oh, this kid's going to be great, this kid's going to be great. There's not much expectation on you. And then all of a sudden you're not paying for a thing. Everyone knows you. You're going out after every game. You're not recovering real well. Like, it was good fun. Yeah. Like, a wicked fun. Oh. You basically, I just remember walking down... Market Street in Freo just going, this is the life. Yeah, I, Wicked.
0: I could imagine it would have been a great <laughs> time to be alive. Um, yeah, yeah, it was. So you, you, you mentioned 99 and then in 2000 you played just the seven games um, as well. I'm guessing yeah, again due to injury. So that ended up being your last year at Fremantle before you eventually traded to West Coast. So just... On the trade, how uh, how did that come about? With leaving for and who initiated it? Was it the club or was it yourself?
1: No, nah, it was me. Um, probably it's one of those ones I, I regret. I regret in a way because um, I, Damien Drum was a coach at the time and uh, he hated me and I hated him. <laughs> I, I think I thought he was one of the biggest dud humans I've ever met. I still stand by that, and he would probably say the same about me. Yeah, right um, right. Brandon. So, but likewise. Well, I was training, you know, I'd come off a, a couple of really lean years with injury and I was training my ass off and he and it was just, yeah, just one of those. And coaches, are, that's what they're there for. They rate you or they don't rate you. Mm-hmm. Um, and he didn't. Um, so going through that year, I'd had injuries. That had my, I'd, The ankle injury had sort of taken a toll as well. I wasn't quick to start with. And then as soon as I started doing lower leg injuries, I turned into a bit of a dunder clumping. So I was in average form in two thousand anyway and i was just yeah it just wasn't working and i was thinking about leaving mm. as were and we were all talking about it. a lot of players at that time yeah, were okay. talking about it and i was one of the ones that jumped and i'd still regret that i did it because within sort of seven to eight rounds i think of the following year he'd been sacked and all the blokes that stuck it out like you know Sean and, yeah, and those yeah. guys that's what i regret yeah okay I, I wish i had of i wish i had stuck it out but mm you know, for what sort of has transpired since and how good West Coast were to me. Um, they were incredible. Mm. Um, and I don't regret it, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I regr- like, Because West Coast have just been so good. I, re- I regret that I missed out on that sort of resurgence at that back uh, half of the year once uh, Damien got the arse. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but
0: hindsight's oh, a wonderful thing, isn't it? Yeah. How, how did you land on West Coast, though, given the rivalry? Don't, um... No thought of Melbourne clubs or anything <laughs> like yeah, that?
1: Yeah, yeah, it was um, probably selfish. In many ways, like um, the the contract the West Coast gave me was really oh, yeah. really good, yeah. And I was coming off, yeah. There was again, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't that highly regarded to be, you know, choosing my shot if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I wasn't that highly regarded to like, oh, go. I'm going to go to Collingwood, or I remember speaking to Neil Barm, who was at Collingwood at the time, and he goes, well, "I'll put yourself in the draft, we'll we'll take you." And I was like, "Oh, I've got a contract here from West Coast, which at that stage, which was 2000 and." one or two, I can't remember, but that was one of the first times, mate, where the the flat contract came in. So there was no base and then games played, like they were up to that point. West Coast just came across and said, there's three years and there's there's the money. So it's basically a piece of paper with a figure on it that they'll pay you over three years Broken up, like I was back ended, so the front front half of the front year and was a little bit and then the next bit was a bit more and then the last year was big, but the, the figure was the figure yep. over three years. So it was almost like, okay, there's your lotto ticket. Whereas it was a bit scary to go into the draft. Oh, yeah. But in saying that, James Clement did it, gets drafted to Collingwood. So he went into the draft. Yeah, he went to the draft from memory. Yeah. Yeah. So really gutsy, just went, oh, I'm out. High, ri- high risk. High though. risk and great reward, and mm. showed a lot more testicles than what I did. <laughs> and, uh, and it became one of the great defences. Oh, and I'm not saying that I had anywhere near that ability, but they were the choices. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I'm not sure, I can't remember whether James had a, had a contract on the table. But it was really hard when you had, I had Ken Judge, who for some unknown reason loved me, absolutely loved me, and, and, and played me in his last game as he got sacked. And I shouldn't have been anywhere near a footy oval But he loved me And you got someone sitting in front of you Going, here's three years, mate And I'd come off an ankle injury And there's your figure mm. It was really hard to turn down Plus, I was, as I said to you before I um, Kemp was still there Materia was still there Jakovic was still there Macintosh, All the boys that I adored as yeah. a kid yeah. They were all still there Yeah and it was like, oh, that's. Well, it was pretty tempting.
0: Yeah, I think most blokes would probably choose the same way if you, um, if they had all that presented to them, and like that was sort of their the circumstance around it. What was a like walking into West Coast compared to Frio, in terms um, of the the joint and just, what was available and all that sort of stuff.
1: It, yeah, it was just it, it was literally chalk and cheese. Yeah, yeah, it, it just was. I mean, our their whole club was in one. Spot at Subiaco Oval, like yeah, at at Frio, like our all our offices and that were down near the railway station at the bottom end of Market Street. Yeah, right. And we didn't have a home. Mm. Um, Used to, our weights room ended up being under the old stand at Frio, but then you'd sort of train out of the other change room. It was just all patched together. Yeah. Even at that point, you go into West Coast, and the whole office system was there. The whole clubs there, all their history was there at that point in time. And then the level of the level of professionalism was just next level again. You're training on Subiaco Oval for like you know every day, mm. you know on the, an amazing surface. Whereas South Fremantle was blowing a gale and often really soggy and wet and all that <laughs> sort of stuff. And you're playing on Subi that's got curators and you know there's no wind because of the sta- stands and that. Like mm. it was incredible the difference in terms of the professionalism. Yeah, there. yeah.
0: And you didn't, um, unfortunately, you didn't get to play a whole lot of footy at West Coast. And I, I'm guessing again that was due to your body. Yeah. mostly and mostly and part of that part of the, that um was not being able to play a derby against Frio, which i'm guessing would have been interesting if you had that chance um you had a three-year contract. Did you see that full three-year contract out? No. Yeah, so you, no. when did you – I know you got delisted, which is not – maybe hard to say, but – No, no, what, it's delisted. Yeah. yeah it's delisted. Was, that, was that at the end of 2001? Uh,
1: it was the end of my second year. Yeah, okay. Um, and I'd had an, another ankle re- – because when I first went to West Coast, um, a guy called Aaron Hamill fell on my 1st preseason pre-season game against St Kilda, and I was I was fanging for it too. I was looking forward to it, and Aaron Hamill fell on the back of my heel and mm. did the old – the real – Thing that everyone's talking about this syndesmosis injury. <laughs> so I ripped all the yeah. so I really, uh, your, your <laughs> one, Brandon. So, um, awful injury. Like, <laughs> so I broke my ankle in a couple of places and the um, uh, and ripped some ligaments, but then the syndesmosis was the bad thing, right? Because every time you put your foot on the ground, you can actually feel the bones in your, your lower leg spread because people don't realize that the ligament sort of holds the bones together mm. and apart, but then so you'd strap your ankle together, um. Yeah, I'd get jabbed. I'd get local to play. I played nine games for the West Coast, didn't win a game. Well, I didn't get yeah. within 50 points of anyone, right? It was yeah. a disaster. Because they
0: were pretty average at that time. Yeah, well,
1: yeah no, we were bad, yeah. but I was bad as well. But um, we, we caught – we caught, well, I caught 500 points beltings in that nine, but <laughs> I, I'm not making excuses, but it's an awful injury and I, was, I, pr- I shouldn't have played on them. I, I'd be local before the game, local at halftime, local at quarter time if they didn't get in the right spot. Yep. And then I'd get a quarter zone after the game. <clears throat> and then I just kept on, my ankle wouldn't come back. It was like it'd be number and number for longer and longer into the week. Yeah, And um, anyway, I cooked it and then had the ankle in, um, reconstruction at the end of the year and they actually took all the ligaments to the outside of my ankle, screwed them onto the inside to pull me into the right spot. Just didn't cook it, but it just didn't work, and I couldn't walk. I was like, I literally couldn't walk. Yeah. Um, but then at the end of that second year, I was trying to get back, and I walked into an office, and it was Woosha, the doctor, and Nizzy, and they said, "You cooked," and I went, "Yeah, I can't move." And they s- said, "Listen, if you come off the list, we'll look after you. You got a year to go on your contract." And Nizzy said, "We'll look after you for the that that what we owe you." And I was back ended. And not only did he do that, he said, look, I'll split that up into three years. He goes, I'll give you a little bit extra. And what I'll also do is, he goes, if you want to do marketing, you do marketing. If you want to go back and finish your degree, finish your degree. But, like, you do what you wanted to do. Yeah. And so he basically just gave me another ticket for three years to go and build my life, basically, outside of footy. Yeah, so right. that's why I say they, they were – Trevor Nisbet, I know there's everyone's bowing for his head at the moment, but I'll defend him to the hills about not only what he's done – the West Case for what he's done for, what he did for me at that point in time mm. and for two years I did everything I was a runner uh, I'd worked in S&C because that was my degree did my um, did my real estate license finished uni had everything set and at the back end of my th- going into my third year job came up at the WACA in S&C in welfare and I went into Nizzy and said mate there's this job there and he goes no no I'm honouring what I said I was going to do for you as well and he goes but get going and, and do that job
0: that's unreal, unbelievable. That's mate. actually that's, unreal, mate.
1: Unbelievable, yeah. like What he did for me, that's incredible, um, and forever indebted to that club. The yeah. way they looked after me, yeah. And I don't even know who they, like who you'd say they put on for me, you know, when I came off the spot that opened up, yeah. But, um, yeah, hopefully it was a good one, and it allowed him to. So hopefully was a part, not part of the reason, it was a tiny little part of the reason that player played in a flag or maybe they built into some pretty good form pretty quickly yeah. after they got rid of me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I don't know about that.
0: but uh, And I think touching on the injury as well, it's not an excuse because it like, affects a fact with an injury and that sounds completely unsustainable in terms of what you're trying to do to get up. And I've got personal experience now with the syndesmosis, so I know they're not fun. Um, right. So you ended up playing at Claremont again after mm. you were delisted. Did you have before? We just touch on that. Did you have any um, interest or any? Was there any chance of you playing AFL again for any other club at any stage after getting list? Because you played some decent footy when you went back to Claremont. Um,
1: no, no. Look, I was really. I did go to back Claremont, and it was it was good fun. Um, I won I won the fairest and best I think two thousand and three, but it was basically by default, mate. Like, uh, um, at that stage um guy mckenna was coaching and he just found me this cozy little role i'd go to the the biggest nuffy out there in the front half um (laughs) i at that stage i'd actually rolled my ankle walking along uh, around the canning bridges and ripped the all the insertions out of the (laughs) off. so it sort of went back to the way it was yeah so i was incredibly slow and couldn't really move but it was a like because i'd always played halfback i sort of waddled around everyone got injured and missed votes in the first and best. And I had a great, great time in 2003 and won one just because you can sort of float around and know where yeah. to go to get it. But um, nowhere near the mo- – like once I lost movement, yeah, mate, okay. I was, you know, even 2003, 2004, I, I still remember feeling Oh, forward played in the grand final against Super. Yeah, that's right. I still feel – I still felt like I was – not in control. You know, I spoke, spoke about two thousand seven, uh, sorry, nineteen ninety seven, when you felt in control yeah. of the game and you're at the level. I probably that's the only year I felt at the level. Yeah, uh, okay. you know, even at waffle, because you, you couldn't do the things you wanted to do. Yeah, yeah, you just felt like you weren't didn't belong. Yeah, okay. You know, that it? that th- physically
0: that that is one of the probably most frustrating things about footy. I think when you don't feel like you're playing at the capacity. But yeah, that's a different story, yeah. I suppose. But well. You don't just win a BNF by accident. Like you, you're probably being a bit modest saying people got injured or whatever. I won't, won't cover it completely, but yeah, you played forty games nearly across those two. We well, pretty much forty games across those two years. You touched on the grand final as well. Um, what do you? What was a lot playing in a waffle grand final. You beat Swans on the way in a prelim, and yeah. funnily enough, you played against a few guys you ended up coaching which is a little bit of a full circle moment (laughs) but yeah what was that experience like was it just a shit memory because Soobie got you on the day
1: not really because we played we finished second they were I still look at that side and go I think it's one of the best waffle sides put out there you know it had it had the the senior players were just they had 12 or 14 senior players and then they had guys like Mundy and Crowley coming in off AFL list that were just so good Um, so I looked at that side the other day and went Literally, if I put that side on the ground right now and the best side in the competition right now, I think it's an eight to ten goal better better lineup. It was an incredible team, two thousand and four. So we always knew her we off the bit, um, but I think early in the year we got them. I think from memory, I think we'd beaten them, um, and then we played played them in the second semi and got destroyed. And then we were really worried about the prelim and came out and. Um, but then we, I think we kicked eight goals in the first quarter and destroyed Swans <laughs> and went did. went in pretty pretty confident, and then. Yeah, it just, just weren't good enough. I think we lost by eight goals and were never in, in the grandy. Um, no. ne- never in it. Um, and But, yeah, still a great experience to play in a grand final because I didn't play in a lot of them. Um, a few Colts ones and stuff like that. Yeah. But at senior level, that was my first one. Got to a couple of prelims and yeah. certainly at AFL level didn't get there. But a grand final day even at waffle level, especially with the challenge of that side, mm-hmm. you know, like Brad Smith at, at full forward and Maloney and – Vines and Cossum and, you know, Luke Newich in the ruck and all you know, these guys, you go in and go, oh, geez, this is going to be tough. And yeah. uh, the, the challenge of actually going out there was, was still something I really enjoyed. And that yeah. was my last game.
0: Yeah, well, it's no mean feat, like playing in a Waffle Grand Final. I mean, boy, we're, all of us are aspiring to try and do it now yeah. and win a premiership as well. So, yeah, no, it um, sounds like it was, a, it was a pretty good experience still. Um, it was a ripper. And the fact that you got to play finals at Subiaco Oval, yeah. Two at the time, which was a little bit of a twist on what's happening now too.
1: Yeah, it was wicked. It yeah. was wicked. And I, I played on their captain, uh his name was Cheesy Maloney. And um <laughs> yeah, actually I remember at quarter time I thought we were actually some some hope. Yeah. And then by half time I went, Oh, this is nearly gone. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, we're back. Little pause there. So we we were just talk finishing up on I suppose your playing days we, yep. we obviously we didn't go into it comprehensively, but you you retired Pretty young, twenty eight was your. Uh, you would have been twenty eight going on twenty. No, you would have been twenty seven going on twenty eight yep. when you retired. Was that just due to your body, which we've obviously heard about, which mm. it might have been, or was it also like you were keen to move on to other things, or a combination of both, or what was? Because yeah, you could you could have technically, if you just go by the age you're at, you could have played a few more years.
1: Yeah, look, I I still remember it was just body, mate. I love footy, but I still remember. Um, standing there, you get up in the morning of a game and you go to the dunny. And I still remember standing there going, I am so sore, like, and you're about <laughs> to play, you know. Like, I still remember going into that grand final trying to get up for the, the game. And I used to go up and have a big steak at the Bullsbrook pub. And I just remember the day before, I think it was a Sunday grand year, was... I just remember getting up and walking to my car and going, "I am, I am cripple sore here," yeah. and it just, yeah, it just got to the point where I was probably wasn't prepared to play sore, yeah, all the time. And yeah. I know everyone does, but this is like, there's a difference between being sore and a difference between always playing hurt, yeah, you know? and, and especially when you got stuff you can't get away from. It's not like playing with a shoulder or a. Or, a, you know, like you got a rib injury, which I, I did a fair bit. I had broken ribs and that to get them sort of nerve-blocked and that for a while. And um, But it's not – the upper body injury is different to having a lower body injury where you've got an ankle or a knee where you can't – or a hip mm. or, a, or a lower back or whatever, which you deal with. It's it's different when you're dealing with that on a, on a week-to-week, day-to-day basis. It just gets to the point where it wears you down mentally more than anything. Yeah, I just yeah. wasn't prepared to do it anymore, yeah. you know, to be honest. And, and, and I think there's a frustration with – Sort of thinking that you can play at a level, but you, you can't.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. I can probably relate to that a fair bit, but mm. and, and I suppose not. Um, you, you don't want to be rocking up to a, uh, you don't want to be rocking into a grand final thinking about your body. Well, that's not what you should be thinking. Nah. that's not the place you should be at. Like when you're mm. about to play a waffle grand final, but nah. maybe I should um give It up nah, based on nah. that because <laughs> play as much as you can. <laughs> but I, <when> feel, <laughs> I feel like I'm bogging <laughs> a dead horse oh, yeah, and just ha- th- absolutely hanging on just to play waffle. <laughs> nah, but you've still got the move. The thing is, is like you've still got the movement. <laughs> no, but
1: nah, you got the movement to do it. I just didn't. I, was, I can remember after the GF, I remember sitting, you know, when you're sitting on the floor after you yeah. finish the season, you just there like, ah. and it's a grand final. I just remember never being more certain that I should never play the game again. Yeah, okay. You know, it was, yeah, it was just you, when you know, you know.
0: Yeah, so you were just done. Yeah, yeah. done. So on the coaching, um, which a lot of people probably of my generation and younger know you for, more mm-hmm. so than playing, like a few of us know. I knew that you played because I used to idolize the Eagles and that yeah, sort of yeah, thing. And then one nothing. thing went, to yeah, – Yeah, I am a bit. Oh, yeah. well, actually, before that, just quickly, who was the hardest or – like, which opponents did you play on in the AFL? You've already touched on the locks of Djakovic and stuff, which I really enjoyed. Probably didn't let on how excited I was to hear <laughs> that. But um, which opponents were sort of memorable or toughest to play on um, at AFL level? Because you, you would have played against some unbelievable players. Yeah.
1: Yeah, Yeah. no, I was really lucky to play on some good ones. Look, like, I was terrified of Lockett.
0: <laughs> did he yeah, ever I say like, anything to you? Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I used to
1: play on a guy called Craig O'Brien, uh, who was this little sandy-haired forward and he used to just take me at him you know like like he was he used to he was a scary big man and yeah. he used to t- t- tell you he was going to kill you yeah. you know like Ablet would hit you uh, like and go after <laughs> you but he was a mute he wouldn't say anything out there there was no banter there was no
0: talk that sounds scary so,
1: though. <laughs> guys like that you know Aaron Hamill was probably the hardest games I ever played because he'd he just he was a forward but he'd punch the crap out of you which <laughs> never happened you know like it never did you know Ronnie Burns you know like I sort of I sort of fluctuated between playing on the smalls and the tall. Yeah, Ronnie Burns, never got near him. Probably played on him four or five times, just demolished me. Yeah, right. Andrew Jarman, you know, like, was fat. I couldn't touch him. You know, Darren <laughs> Jarman, couldn't touch him. You know, like I, I had Wanganeen and the Burgoynes when they first started injured and just it shouldn't have even been near them. Yeah. On, you know, it was embarrassing I played on them. But, like, guys like that, um, but, but my best – probably my favourite memories was – uh, was like Brent Hetty You know Like getting him in derbies Like, like in a, getting a real good one In derbies mm. And we had some ripper games yeah. you know, So um, Yeah just guys like that They were good fun um, Darrell White at, at Brisbane Always loved playing on him Because yeah. There was uh, There was two of him You know He never knew which one You are going to get Yeah right. Like I, I'd play on I played on him at Subiaco Over one one day And I reckon I, had, I reckon I might have Nudged 30 Would have got to 27 28 Which back then was huge for me and then, and he just disinterested and didn't want to go near it. And then played him at the Gabba later in the year. And he kicked six on me. Like, like, <laughs> it was just, he was Jekyll and Hyde. Those ones were really fun to play on as well. Yeah. Really
0: yeah, fun. Nah. Oh, you say embarrassing, but you were out there for a reason. And that, that would have just been an unbelievable experience, though, like, just all yeah. around, like looking yeah. back on it now. Oh, mate. Yeah. Well,
1: the big, one, like, big ones like Savrocca at Vic Park. Back in the day, like, and Buckley getting fifty three at Vic Park and Sav kicking fourteen, yeah. They're, they're, you sort of sit back and be like, oh, yeah, <laughs> like, they're, they're pretty. They're like, look, I look back now and go, they're a pretty fun days. Yeah. yeah, yeah, That's unreal. Not at the time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, coaching. So prior to getting the like Colts gig, Colts gig at Swans, which you ultimately got, did you have that? do you have? Oh, you sorry, you coached amateur clubs. So coaching must have been on your radar. So was that like an interest to yours?
1: Um it was sort of rolled into it a bit because I, I, I probably in that back part of the when I was at Claremont, I was actually doing their strength and conditioning program as well for William um, McKenna first year and then Ash Prescott the second year. Yeah, um, And then I was vice captain to Jackson Crab and then Jackson did a knee, so I sort of took over that, the captaincy for for a year or a year and a half, I think from memory. I can't remember which um, how long it was, but um, those years when – I was injured. Probably, I was more of a more of a coach on field leader than a player. Yeah, you know, like you're driving, you're, you're strength and conditioning. You're, you're the on field leader as a captain. You can't move as as well as what you could. You're behind the player a lot as well. So you became more of a coach, um, and mentor out on the field. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's probably where it came from. I reckon, mate. Looking back, because yep. I really enjoyed that when I finished No. Four, and then. Um, Wesley Curtin um had some mates down there and um I think tr- I think Trent Cooper was coaching a couple of years before me. Yeah. Um and then he was shooting off around the world doing something so I took over. I think it was 0607. Yeah. and had a, had a ball. Like yeah, it was just we were playing A grade amateurs but we were hanging on in A grade and we yeah, right down at the bottom. It was just it was even when you're at the bottom like you were like it was it was embarrassing to get relegated, so yeah. you're always pressing to 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 stay up. Avoid. So it was, yeah, it was really good fun. Yeah, and a great right. bunch of boys, and just one of the best clubs and best, uh, like the the guys that run that club, uh, Mark Hader and the boys that that run it, uh, just the, one of the, the, the most astute people going around. And I yeah. think they've got like eight, nine teams, couple of, two or three female teams, a couple of Colts teams. Yeah, go down to Z grade, like it's an incredible doing it, club, doing it doing well, doing it so well. Yeah, yeah,
0: that's yeah, no, good and. Um, with coaching Colts, so I think with how you spoke about it before, it was probably more circumstance and opportunity, but did you have a preference, did you coach Colts because you had a preference of working with younger guys or was it just because that's what came up at the time and the way it unfolded?
1: I think that's sort of the progression, you know, yeah, okay. like you go through and that sort of happens at AFL level too, you go through a development phase and yep. you gonna have development roles and then maybe go into the VFL and then AFL and that was sort of it, you know, like at that stage there were a lot of boys that went through that colts coach coaching group that ended up playing or coaching senior footy yeah so it was sort of the thing the way it got done you'd coach colts coach high level players which we were lucky enough to have an amazing little run where we had so many good players yeah. and long not just 07 08, but all the way through 2010 11 all those years um, and that was sort of the process coach really good kids um, start that structure and a little bit of structure not too much but a little bit. Yeah. and then yeah and then hopefully get your opportunity to coach senior footy and and then that came up at the end of 2010 when when Brian moved on and um, yeah. there was an opportunity not that I planned for it but the okay. opportunity was there and it's it's one of those ones mate where you go if you don't do it you know and this is what it was for me is like I, I like my coaching I love the club and the opportunities there. And if you don't do it, then you sort of miss an opportunity to do something different mm. and, and take a step. Yeah, Never wanted to go to AFL level or even be yeah, a okay. development coach, really. But um, it was one of those ones where it was like, yeah. And, and at the time, you went, oh, I would just want to flag. Like you're probably going to be successful, which was completely incorrect. Well, <laughs> only, the, only, for the fir- only for the first year, though. Oh, Phil, oh no, there were some bad yeah. ones in there, mate. But, like, oh, you look at it and go, well, they're, they're going yeah. to be good. Yeah. You know, we're going to be we're, – we're a chance to win it again. There's some good players. <laughs> yeah. Even though we lost a few, like Cracky and that, you go, know, nah, we'll still be pretty good. Mm. And I was pretty wrong. Or I was a really well, bad coach. They probably, they pro- <laughs> no,
0: I think some of those players enjoyed themselves a fair bit after that flag too. I mean, yeah, think that might have had to do with it. Yeah, I, I, I distinctly remember doing some of the pre-season with the senior group post that flag. And there were blokes that myself and a couple of the young guys were beating comprehensively <laughs> that we probably shouldn't <laughs> have been beating. Um, but anyway, just on the Colt stuff, you obviously had... You obviously won the Premiership, which would have in 08. And then you, the 09 and 010, the side played finals as well. So mm. you were having a lot of success. No doubt that would have been a lot of fun. But mm. what I want to ask you about is how did you find coaching Colts from the perspective of winning not necessarily being the primary objective?
1: Uh, yeah, well, I, lo- I loved it, to be honest, mate. You know, like even – I think even 2010, you know, like we had – we were probably the best team in the Colts from memory. It's just – Caniglio went and played league halfway through the year yeah. and, um, and Lukey Adams um, went up and played league and then blew his ankle and, yeah. and never came back. And I think we lost, I think from memory, I think we lost the final. elimination final peel here in Perth. Or was it Peel, was it? No, yeah. I think we lost the Peel. Yeah right, so we lost, but look, oh, we did. At Peel I think oh nine. I
0: think oh nine was yeah, was the Perth, Perth game one. when Brett Van Gronigen yeah. shouldn't mention yeah, kick, it, but yeah, yeah, kicked, yeah, kicked it straight to, to Joel Horton.
1: Yeah no, nah, and and the <laughs> and the, uh, the Peel Thunder game was at East Fremantle Oval. From it Denver, was, and we only just went down in that one yeah. too. So, yeah, look, it was, but that's the way it was. Like, there's just going to be years. Like two thousand and eight was one of those years that I think we had six Colts players playing league footy that day. Mm. That was Banfield. Yeah. Um, Yaron? Yeah, Banfield, Yaron, Jeff Garlett, Nick Natanui, uh, Clancy Pierce. There were six kids that could play Colts. That were playing in the league. Yeah, yeah, Grand but Fordham. then we still had enough quality. So that was just one of those freak years. <laughs> yeah. We had Neville Jetta. It's crazy. Um, all those. Yeah, Neville Jetta, um, Jamie Bunnell, um Yeah, it was incredible, the depth. Mm. Um, Jared Blight, you know, these guys. So um, it was just sometimes you get lucky when you get that sort of year. But for the most part, it's... It's yeah, really, really good fun, and it's probably the thing I I, I hate training now. I shouldn't say this, but I hate training, <laughs> right? But I love I love doing vision, and I love game day. Yeah. You know, like I think nowadays, like with young fellows, you can get a lot out of doing their vision and looking at what they're doing wrong and right, and hopefully put that into training yep. when I'm not there. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, more I, important I, I, I love that part of going. Okay, this is going great. Keep doing that. I love. Uh, but then this is what we need to work on to make you better. Yeah. Um. I love that part of it and game day. Yeah. yeah
0: okay. Um. And you mentioned about uh, taking over the league job in 2011. Were you doing a line? assistant coaching, doing a line in the league from the get-go? Because from memory, were you doing a line in – th- I thought you were doing a line in 2010 or – I was. Or helping it, yeah.
1: No, I was. We are all sort of heavily involved. Like yeah. Ben Dyer at the time was coaching the 16s and yeah. then helping move the Colts and then yeah. took over the rotations about halfway through 2010 at senior level, just take the, the pressure off doors a bit. And, mm-hmm. and then – um Matty Carr was at the club in a development role as well as when we had lots of money to throw around. But, uh, <laughs> he was um, he was doing the development role. He was doing the forwards from no, he was doing the mids, and I was doing the backs, and okay. Adam Hunter was doing the forwards. Yeah. yeah, that was that was our coaching setup at the time. So yeah. it was um yeah, it's still the most enjoyable game and funniest game. To we should grand, do a podcast on the that grand final. Game. Well, yeah. I'd love to and get different Mate. people in. Do you have oh, any man. quick?
0: Do you have any like quick memories or experiences from that day that you can? Mentioned? Maybe not all of them, but is oh. there just one that you can give us? Because oh, actually, that's a great idea. Well, just... We
1: lost Andrew Cracker for the entirety of the week. Couldn't find mm-hmm. him, went underground. There you go. What? Lost him. What do you mean? He lived across the road, right? Yeah. yeah across the road. Yeah. And disappeared. Sandover medal Monday night. Yeah. Couldn't find him. I had Johnny Cooper. But right. he was obviously there because he collected his medal. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So he turned up. Yeah. But literally we lost him. for I can't remember how many days it was, but yeah, I reckon right. it was deep. I reckon it was like Friday. Hadn't seen him. Hadn't heard from him. Hadn't been to training. Yeah. Um, there's one. Second one was um, Kari, Matty Carr, taking on Lane Spanderman and punching on before the prelim. Um, because against East free uh, against East Perth, and and Kari going, look, I'm going to poke the bear here, and because Lane had had not performed, and after the second semi-final against Claremont, stood up in the change rooms and launched Dorse in front of the entire player group. did. Panda did. Yeah. So. Like Kari was very measured and a tough man. And I don't know, were you in the change
0: rooms when they punched on in the change rooms? Oh, is that what you were talking about? Is this what no, you're talking about? That's not what I'm talking about. that was halfway through the year. <laughs> yeah. But Kari
1: goes, This, like this bloke, he goes, We've got to get him going because he's the only ruckman we've got. Yeah. And I can't believe what he did to Dorse. Yeah. So he launched him in the, in, like up at the bassinine end of the Ovalier in the 50, launched him about being, you know, so, yeah, you're, you're a dog. And they're on. Like, well, this was on the Thursday night before the prelim. Stuff like that. Like, That's incredible. Uh, mate, like the, one of the funniest things that happened in the, in the game was when <laughs> Richardson knocked out Ninette and Graham Jetta. Yeah. Um, obviously, time stopped, but we'd sent Barrow down to keep an eye on, on the time. And Barrow, like, we turn around at one stage and go, Barrow, how long's left? He goes, Ah, oh, the siren's going to go. Right. And we go, Barrow, have you taken out the time that these blokes are getting stretched? And Barrow goes, Oh nah, I forgot. And then like there was still five well, Barrow, there's five minutes left in the game, mate. So, like and like just stuff like that. Um oh here's one about Pruy, right? So Pruy and Travis Edmonds are our runners. Yeah. And Kari, I still remember it. Kari didn't sit down the whole game. Not that he didn't (laughs) want to, but there were so many people in the box. It was insane. And Kari just leant against the side of the box. And he goes, our runners are gone. This is after Ninette and Jetta get knocked out. And I'm like, mate, they just had a, had a break. And he goes, no, no, our runners are gone. And we look down and Pruy and Travis Edmonds are cramping on the side <laughs> of the oval. <laughs> and they're stretching their hamstrings. And we're crying laughing in the box in a one-point game. Because Kari, had, with everything that was going on, Kari goes, our runners are dead. So Andrew Prue and then Travis Edmonds were fat as houses. <laughs> like, and we're five minutes to go in the game. And we're literally without runners. because <laughs> Kari's spotted this and started laughing. Laughing, like with so five minutes to go in the game, it was the incredible. No
0: messages going out. No messages <laughs> going out.
1: But mate, oh, that 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 year, that game, the the intricacies of how it became one point are insane. Yeah, we'll have to do a podcast yeah, just nah. about
0: that. But oh, I remember being there, and it was it was incredible experience. like from Best that game perspective I've ever. Seen. And then up here, upstairs, here at the club. After. I've never seen anything like it.
1: Incredible. Eh? Yeah,
0: and I remember Maddie Spencer was feeding a few of us beers, like me, Alex Howard, a few of us I, beers. I don't even need that. Hey. You're underage. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that's bad. But we were we enjoyed ourselves. <laughs> Got the day of school. Anyway. Um so uh, yeah, well you're a big head because Stephen Caniglio went to school. Yeah, I know. He did. Man. I know. Yeah. Crazy. Oh well. That's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's why he's where he is now. Yeah, um, that's right. <laughs> uh so did you have any idea that Dorse would be finishing up at the end of that year? Was it known nah. before it happened or did he just did it sort of come out of the blue a bit?
1: No, nah, I think but was was there something about he had he had a bit of a tenure in Singapore or maybe overseas With work. He had going to lecture or yeah. something along those lines, right? Yeah.
0: Um
1: so yeah, that, and that was when yeah, they they interviewed a few and Adrian Hickmont came across from he was at Essen, yeah. I think, at the time. Yeah. Coaching their VFL side, and he came across and went for it and then he 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 sort of was in the mix, and he did the Colts, and I did the league, and he was an assistant coach to me. So, yeah, look, I always remember actually. I remember going to the board meeting and their take on it that I wasn't interested. I didn't sort of show enough interest in it, which was probably fair. Mm. It was because I reckon probably one of my one of my don't know whether it's a positive or a negative. It's probably a negative. Is I sort of think Oh, if someone thinks you're doing a good job, they'll employ you, you know. Like, if you're a good player, they'll pick you. If they want you to come and do a job, they'll come and get you. Yeah. You know, you shouldn't have to sell yourself. It should be on your body at work. There was yeah. a bit of that. and there, yeah, was a, yeah. there was a bit of that in my presentation, which was basically just a bit of chalk on a board. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah so not I didn't, not I didn't, PowerPoint. No, uh, oh, I think I did a PowerPoint, <laughs> but it was like I spent about three minutes on it and I'd probably drunk a few bourbon and cokes before I did it. So <laughs> it was, I think, I think, without knowing, I think uh, Hickmont's presentation may have been significantly better. Mm. And I was quietly told. Um, that you might want to do it again. And and I did it again. So So you got that opportunity. So they uh, did it again and I sort of had to say, yeah, and it was good because once they said, oh, you probably cooked it a bit in terms of how you want it, do you really want to do it? I went, no, I really do want to do it. You know, so I did put in a bit more effort. Yeah, okay. And
0: um, did you have anyone trying to influence the board into and and to make a decision to go your way do you know or
1: no not at that stage everyone was in my corner yeah. you know be, and that was pretty much because you know Brendan Parker and Peter Harvey who was the president at the time they'd come and got me to do the Colts so, yeah. and there was there was a, the, the club's always been very good about promoting their own yeah so there was a, there was always always felt that it would be hard for me them not to pick me uh, because I'd been involved as an assistant, I'd done the Colts, they'd played reasonably well, um, we'd developed a lot of kids. So I was always, always thought, and that was a bit of arrogance, I reckon I was always like, well, <laughs> they're not going to pick the Victorian enough, they're <laughs> going to pick me. So well, I don't really need to put in much time and they, uh, and they did. So yeah. but, uh, was always, they were always very supportive of me, I must yeah. say.
0: And did, did Dawes sort of play a big role in terms of influencing the way he coached?
1: Um, he was very interesting to watch. <laughs> okay. He was very interesting to watch about how he managed people. People, yeah, because, I mean, that, that 2010 group even so through, once they got Riggs and Tombs and Davo and, Dave o and mm. those guys, they were real different cats, eh? yeah. which you would have seen as oh, a kid yeah. growing up. 100%. Like, real different, you know, like Panda was, like, I'm, I'm saying they're great fellas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Different. Yeah, that's all right, like, real yeah. different, man. And you need like, that, though, you and know, man, know And then you got Amesy, that's just a <laughs> lunatic. Then you had Richo that was just a mute. Yeah. You know, that never spoke. Yeah. One of the best players, I, I thought, in the club. Um, but just didn't speak, mm. and then yeah. So it was interesting to watch because Dawes had this way about him where there wasn't there wasn't a huge amount of instruction, but he allowed that team. What I know, what I took out of how he did it, that team played with zero pressure. Like a lot of coaches put you under pressure, mm. and I'm certainly one of those, or a hundred percent. Like if I if I think you can play better yeah. or you can get more out of yourself, I'll put you under pressure. Yeah, and that can be. Sometimes positive, that sometimes it can be negative if you do it wrong and you get the wrong kid. But Dorse just allowed that team to basically gel when there were so many different driving forces within it. Um, so many different characters, so many different players that were motivated, motivated by different things. And somehow, and again, this would be another four hours in a podcast, somehow <laughs> he got that team to come together motivated. Yeah. And it still baffles me, mate. You know how how he got the club back after what transpired in those change rooms, where your where your big tough ruckman stands up and basically looks you in the eye and goes, "You can't coach. We don't know what we're doing." And then three weeks later, you win it. That, it's a yeah. pretty good effort when you put so, it that way. So how, yeah, mate. They it was it was yeah a great coaching effort, and yeah. he did he he got the team to play with no pressure, yeah. which was. Exactly what that group needed, which is a masterstroke.
0: I suppose knowing the group is a big part of it, isn't it? Like oh, knowing yeah. what you've got and how you've got to approach it. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. You know. So when you came in, you were pretty you're pretty young in terms of coaching. You're thirty five mm. at the time. Um, do you, what was that like with the group that you had? Did you find that? Did you find that that presented a challenge, or do you reckon that had no impact at all?
1: No, nah, it was a challenge because. I sort of expected this to be to to be good. Yeah, we'd lost. I think we'd lost. Cracky, Toomey, um, Ste- or Steve, Steve, had Steve, been yeah. drafted. Yeah. Um, I think Cass had been done for the for the yeah. fed. Yeah, so we'd, we'd sort of missed lost five or six. But I still thought we were going to be good. Mm. And then I must admit, like that that year was the worst I've ever ever coached. It was just through just a lack of maturity. Yeah, it got immature, just got petulant when we get beaten. You know, like tr- trying to ask, you know, that, like, just not understanding that they'd won it the year before. They probably lost a little bit of motivation and drive to do it again. Yeah. And just, I was pushing for stuff that was never going to happen. Instead of just managing it, I like was just getting angry and mm. yelling at them. And, you know, there were so many things that, you know, things that play that I probably didn't know about at the time either. Like uh, for, for one thing as well, like the last game against Perth, and I'm revving, right, because I don't want to finish last. I think it was, you know, it was embarrassing enough to finish down 7th or 8th. We're playing Perth and we had to win. We had to win to definitely stay up and percentage would keep us up, I think, from memory. Mm. And I could not get Swoop, Tim Geepen, I could not get Swoop and Ash Hanson to leave the goal square. Couldn't get him out. And oh, I'm losing my shit, right, Adams, because I couldn't get him up the ground. But then I found out later that in their contract, they actually had if they won our goal kicking, not the senior goal kicking, but like the the if they won the goal kicking at the club, they got a bonus in yeah, their contract. Right. So I'm screaming at them. And if I had known that, if i had done my homework and actually known that, like yeah. I wouldn't even been getting upset with that sort of stuff. So it was it was a horrific year of coaching. Yeah, um, looking back on it um but then sort of having been through that it was a it was the best thing for me to go oh you got to pull your head in and actually coach yeah you know coach individuals and yeah. coach scenarios and, and there's different scenarios about where people are at with their lives or mm-hmm. you know stuff like that I was, I was talking about the contract
0: and all that stuff <laughs> <laughs> um yeah but oh, i suppose it is you learn don't you move forward you learn mm-hmm. from things and then move forward yeah. it's it just on that as well and you know whatever you can touch on this as much as or as little as you like the club Ended up being a bit of difficulty off field at the time. Yep. Um, did you know that was coming? And how was that period? And again, not as much as or or as little as No, nah,
1: nah, I don't know how far the statute of limitations goes back. Yeah, but no, nah, right. it was a mess. Anything like, can be cut out of your No, no, it was a it was a significant mess. Well, yeah. we're talking we're not talking little boy numbers, mate. We're talking yeah. huge numbers. And yeah. Tom Bottrell came to the club I think halfway through two thousand and eleven from memory or maybe going to two thousand and twelve mm. and I remember coming to a board meeting and you know the you know, the the members finding out probably a tenth of it. You know how bad it was, mm. and them asking Tom, he goes, "Did you know?" And Tom's like, "I have no idea." He was finding out up on stage, like how bad it was. So, yeah, I'm talking big boy numbers. Yeah. Um, at the and at the back of sort of by the time we got to the back end of 2012, we're in a position where, you know, the doors were literally closing, yeah. and we just had to go into survival mode and do everything we could to to keep the doors open. Mm. That meant. Ra- like running big raffles, you know, like $100 mm. tickets and just trying to sell as many tickets as we can. Yeah. It meant selling players. It meant, you know, like I went that hard at – and this, is pl- this was planned. You know, like Jaron Jackie, like guys like Jaron Jackie and Marlon Motlop. It was back when you get 30000 a player, you know, to offload. Yeah. You know, guys that won premierships and some of them wanted to leave as well, which made it. Pretty pretty easy. Yeah. But like, so, but then you, oh, you, there was one year when I think um, Lobby and uh, Charlie got drafted. Yeah. And those guys, I think Murray might have. It was. But we used to get thirty five thousand for guys, an AFL trans- transfer, and then you used to be able to get big money to transfer them out. And I think it was might have been one year, but it was we got a quarter of a million dollars in because mm. I think it was Robinson, Toomey, Jaron, Jackie, Marlon, Motlop off um, Hilda. Um, You know, like they all weren't that amount of money. Yeah. But they were big money in and it just allowed us to keep going. Yeah. And the other side of it was, the beauty of it was, the, the hard thing is you couldn't recruit because you couldn't pay the money. Yeah. Um, But you know, on the flip side of that is like so many kids got opportunity to play and guys are like, I'm, I'm certain... A guy like Brody, for example, that have won three premierships. Yeah. He'd just be in Donga or somewhere fishing. He, yeah. wouldn't, he wouldn't be playing yeah. if it hadn't happened that way. So there was always positives to a really tough scenario. Yeah, and, yeah, And it's awesome. One of, the, one of the things I'm so happy with now is to see the club in such amazing financial shape, shape and, yeah. compared to where we were, and now we just got to win one.
0: Yeah, that's right. But, yeah, that that's a tough... Thing to come into as well like you've been given the head coaching job and then you thrust into that kind of scenario and that's pretty yeah, tough to it get it didn't through.
1: affect 2011 to 2012 we probably should have won it yeah um, well 2000, that's the other thing. 2011 2011 when it, we came in look I was, I was crap i was really crap crap coach didn't manage the team and we were bad and that was that was my that was my mistake mm-hmm. 2012 we got going and we were flying yeah um and sh- should have won it if not for injury. Yeah. Probably managed. Yeah, because made a prelim up. that year. Made a prelim, but came finished finished second. Yeah. to Claremont. Um, nearly got him in the second semi, but two two weeks out from the end of the year, we lost Riggie to a calf, David to a calf, Brett Van Groningen to a hamstring. Like there was. We sort of had four or five come out, mm-hmm. and if, like at full strength, I reckon we were good enough to beat Claremont. Mm-hmm. It would have been close, but we were good enough to have a real crack at it. Yeah. But then we just got, you know, we just didn't manage the group well enough. Got injured, and didn't, and, and got busted up in in the in the prelim by East Frio. So that was yeah. That was with good teams. Yeah. Hundred percent. 2012, They were good teams, and both both years should have finished higher in yep. my mind. Yeah. And then after that, it was just all survival and and playing kids and developing kids, yeah. which was bloody great fun. Yeah. Yep. best fun i ever had those years yeah even 16.
0: um t- 2012 <laughs> oh yeah 2012 <laughs> making a prelim was um incredible given what you said about the doors potentially <laughs> nearly closing at the end of that year but so you, so i was going to actually ask you like in terms of um how far you got in each year 2012 was obviously your best go at it because i do i, I know it was only an elimination final but i think 2014 there was that game up at East Fremantle, I remember watching. And was it um, – yeah, I, I, I remember a couple of things actually. I won't, I won't mention it. But I know, I know you guys kicked – got nine goals kicked against yeah. you in the last quarter. Do you reckon 14 could have gone nah. anywhere? No. Nah. nah.
1: Nah, nah, 14 was no good. Because you were five
0: goals up at three-quarter yeah, time.
1: Yeah, 100% and couldn't have played any better. But 2012 <laughs> was the year and yeah. and part of that was, which people don't remember, like Sonny Walters was the best player in the Waffle by a street yeah. when he got kicked out of free and came back that year and then round 16 they took him off us yeah. and never saw him again. So like stuff like that on top of Riggs and Davo. Like, Riggs and Davo had a horrific 2011. <laughs> and then got their Shock. got their shit together <laughs> yeah. and trained their ass off. And Riggs was incredible, mate, that year. And then so we lost, we lost five or six real prime movers, and yeah. one, and one of those was um and one of those was Sunny yeah. late in the year, and never got him back. And and that was the year if it all had a stayed together, yeah, hundred percent, we were good enough. Yeah. Uh, but two thousand and fourteen was it was bloody great fun. But then going into that last round, you know, we. I think we played Lawrence in his second game. Lawrence Greskos. Goss, we yeah. played yeah. who had been battling. We pulled him out of the twos and played him. We debuted, um, we do um Hughesy, yeah. Ethan Hughes, yep. Um And we just played a bunch of kids and just played out of our skins that day for mm. for three quarters. You're humming, yeah, yeah. Humming, just played out of our skins. And at three quarter time, we just the problem was we just we just left the door jar mm. and their their older players just got going. Yeah. and lost by. Yeah, lost by five in yeah. the end, and but for three quarters they couldn't. We couldn't have played any better. Yeah, right. Mm. So it all just went wrong. Right and if, we had, a, if we had if we had got through that, I just couldn't see us going. Any yeah, further. okay.
0: Yeah. Um, now pressures of being a coach and and feeling the heat in down years. So 2016 yeah. was obviously a, a down year. 2011 yeah. was a bit of a down year. Yeah. How did you deal with that? Because I know there was um, I know there was a period where the board. Yeah, there some board members were putting some heat on 100%. you, which I, I've heard you speak a little bit about recently. Yeah, um, but yeah, what? How did you? How did you go with dealing with it? Just with pressure.
1: And you just get aggressive, yeah. <laughs> and you fight and you yeah, fight God. and you fight. You know, like, <laughs> and most of the time, you know, like, m- most of the time, most people that. They're, that are doing that they're not really looking at the reality of what's happening behind the scenes yeah they're only really dealing the people i was dealing with they're only dealing with the outside noise and there's a lot of members and people that love swan districts and and the the thing you go to is sack the coach right mm. so when board members were working behind the scenes because we're a pretty close-knit fraternity and i'd get it all that i'd get a lot of that information and so I just go on. Like I do, you know, I just go out to them. I know what you're saying and that and sit them down and basically just explain to them, you're, you're the ones that aren't allowing me to go and spend 10000 to go and recruit a player, mm. right? And I've told you that the playing group, we've got some good kids, but like, well, this is going to take time. But then behind my back, you're going after me. And you need support. And that's the other thing is like I've been really lucky to have someone like, like Smarty. That is, couldn't be better in those scenarios when the chips are down and he believes that, you know, that is unfair or unfounded, that, that push to get rid of you, he'll fight like, to the death to, yeah. to keep you. And that's yeah. what he did. Like, I could, I wouldn't have survived it without him, no doubt. Which, um,
0: which point in time do you reckon was the one where you might not have survived without oh, that probably,
1: help? Probably oh, 2011. Yeah. You know, even actually Scotty, if you do ever do it with Scotty Cummings. Yeah. Well, Scotty wanted to take me 2011. Scotty wanted my head then. He was Did director he? of footy. Oh, 100%. percent <laughs> Obviously, to talking yeah, yeah, about yeah. this with Ask him. him. We had some humdingers, mate. Oh, oh we had a humdinger in – we played in uh, – He so was, was on the board
0: then, wasn't he? Yeah, uh, Scotty were, was on uh, the board? or know he, know he, he, he was on the board. But I remember him being around, around a all, bit.
1: They're all connected because Brendan Parker, right? Scotty's married to Brendan Parker's um, Brendan Parker's sister. Yep. right. And then, so they're all connected, like, and all together. Like, Brendan Parker's dad was, like, sort of our head recruiting guy. Rossi Parker. So they're all, you know, they talk about everything over a beer at family functions as well. Yeah, and, okay. uh, and so they were really tight. But then Scotty was doing all this from Melbourne. So I hated Scotty at the time because he's trying to take my head. If Scotty was here, I'd say this to it. And I've got some amazing stories about Leon Davis, them trying to get Leon Davis to the club. Really? Oh, mate. Huge. Mate, it's another story. But (laughs) but we we would get into stand up, stand up blues behind closed doors about that in general, trying to get um, Leon to the club. Yeah. Which. I'll tell a story quickly. So what had happened in a nutshell. So Leon Davis was at Collingwood. Scotty was heavily involved in Collingwood, right? So behind the scenes, and you can ask him this question as well, the deal was done to get him to Swans. I reckon it was 2013. But we'd just gone through the process of hacking the heads off everyone at the club Mm. and pulling – you know, like pulling player payments back to unprecedentedly low numbers just yeah. to keep the doors open. And then I'm going, well, if you get Leon Davis here, what do you reckon Riggs is going to say and Davo is going to say when we bring in Leon Davis fresh out of an NFL career and they know we're paying him money? Yeah. I'm not doing it. Yeah. You know, we're not doing it. And mate, the blues it costs and we're losing. Mm. And I just remember, I remember games at, um, I remember a game in 2011. And we got pumped against East Freo, and Scotty just going off his head like outside the change rooms in I think it was in Caratha of all places, and outside the change rooms, just him feeding it to me about losing. And at another stage, he goes, "You put a massive target on your back." I can't remember what that was about, but we used to have stand-up fights. <laughs> yeah, get right. on like a house on fire now. Yeah, a yeah, yeah. ripper. But yeah. he used to rip me. Yeah, you right. Because it was just a bit old school. You know, you lose, yeah. you get a rev from the board, and it was a bit, bit like that. Yeah. Okay. So... That's, um, that's interesting. Yeah. So. Yeah.
0: Um, all right. A few things with coaching. Hardest, if you've got one, hardest decision you had to had to make or just... The, yeah, or just the worst thing about being a coach? Oh, the one. Oh, oh the worst thing is dro- dro- dropping kids. Yeah.
1: Like, I, you know, like you get better at it. Um, but at the end of the day, you, you're always... And Matty Carr says this as well. You're always living in a grey area as a coach and a player. The, co- the player is in... in most of the time Half lying to you And you're half <laughs> lying to them Like because At the end of the day like, You go to the play Are oh, you doing everything right Yeah no 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 training the house I'm doing everything right But they're going out And drilling 14 beers On a Saturday night yeah. And then, like being out Till four o'clock in the morning And not doing recovery And there's always Little bits like that And when you go to drop someone Most of the time It's because they're not good enough but you, how hard is that to say to someone, oh, Brandon? You are not good enough. Yeah. So I'm not playing you. Yeah. So you're always sort of coming, trying to come up with reasons why that you're not selecting a player. Yeah. And some of them are sort of half truths and and so forth. It's very very difficult because and especially and that harder now, mate, to go up to someone and be r- brutally honest yeah. about where their foot is at. Yeah. Because the resilience
0: doesn't exist much yeah. anymore. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you, with that half truths part? Do you yeah. have to do that as well sometimes with? uh maybe not knowing whether a player might improve because I'm guessing you've probably had players that you thought weren't going to be great mm. and then they ended up being really good. So do you like how do you how do you go about it because you, sometimes you don't know. I'm guessing sometimes you don't know or you think differently to how it might 100%. turn
1: out. 100%. You actually when you're talking about it, you're a lot, you're one of those like to be perfectly honest. I always thought and we always spoke about it about finding a yard of pace. Yeah. And I actually thought right from the start that you wouldn't have the speed to play at waffle level. 100%. Like, now that you're here, we can talk about you. Yeah. Um, and it was, ended up being horrifically wrong because you found your spot in a key defensive post and you read it so quickly and you're so strong and you're wholehearted so you actually get it done. So, um, at, the, at the time, I was actually thinking... Well, the information I was telling you was actually 100% true. Well, that wasn't a half-truth. Like, your ability to find a yard was going to either allow you to like be a really good player, in my mind... Or be a really good country player or an amateur player. Now, that was actually 100% incorrect because you didn't find a yard. You were just way better than what I thought you were. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe i just played you in the wrong position, whether it was. But no, I got you completely wrong. Um, but what I'd like to think is, like, for the most part, you do get it right. Um, it is a, it, it is a, is a battle. Like, you're always coaching players that have aspirations to play at the highest level. Um, and you may think that they don't have that ability, but then you, you're, you're trying to cajole and cuddle and, and because they might be a great twos player, and you need them to be pressing for senior selection because you still want them to get the most out of their their, their ability yeah. and their careers. So. Oh, yeah, we've got players at the club right now that, are, you know, we're saying, okay, improve this, improve this. They think in their mind that they can play senior footy, but the ar- reality is they probably can't. Mm. So that's the difficult thing when you know – that. that's the hardest thing for me is when you know a kid that is a ripping kid, like great – A-grade grade human that thinks that they can go to higher levels but they – You'd love them to just have a little bit of reality about where they're at and, and enjoy their footy and, in, and improve to as, as, as good a level as they possibly can. That's dif- that's difficult to deal with those kids. Yeah. I find that really really yeah, difficult. I'll, yeah, imagine. and I have
0: those conversations daily. But yeah. three this week. Yeah, well, so have, That's the toughest bit. You have to though, don't you? Yeah, you, you have, do. You have to and, have those. Co- you, you have, to have those conversations. And our jobs as
1: coaches, and it's just not. It's just not me. We, we talk about every player, and hopefully ninety nine point nine percent of the. The time you get that right, mm. you know, um, because like, yeah, I'll, I'll talk about another one like Nathan Broad. Like, Nathan Broad used to pull his head in a lot, he used to spoil with a big swinging arm. Yeah. He, you know, like he, he was a skinny young kid and I was so hard. And he was the thing, the good thing about him is he's just so stubborn, right? So we just fought and fought and fought about his footy and why I picked Brandon Jetta over the top of him and all that, yeah, non stop. And, yeah, still stand by the fact that that fight and his stubbornness got him the ability to to play AFL footy, and then the rest is a hundred percent his drive and, yeah, yeah. and good footy. But that, those those conversations were were really really
0: important for yeah. a, for a Brody. Yeah, I imagine he'd say the same thing too if you asked him think so. point blank. Yeah, um, I think so. So, what's the best decision you've had the opportunity to make, or the best thing about being a coach? And you it could be anything. Like
1: the um, best thing about being a coach. I I really uh, yeah, I've always really enjoyed watching um watching young fellas sort of come on in an area that is the the the, the peach, if that makes sense. And what I mean by that is like for for the most part when you're when you're talking about an area to improve, you can be hundred percent right but you've got to get the player to buy into it. And then that's that's the greatest enjoyment of like in, in terms of coaching an individual is getting that person to buy into that point and then go bang and like succeed off the back of it yeah and that happens a lot it could be it could be intensity it could be you know aggression it could be um it could be movement based it could be losing weight you know it could be one of those it's a a different thing to every player Mm. but when that person grabs hold of that it could be confidence you know, well, you know, as well as anyone, the confidence is enormous. Having Absolutely. a bit of self faith, and and you know, like even at the moment, like Keion Ellis, like it's like, mate, just back yourself. Like back, yourself that that's the key to Keion mm. is him backing himself. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, you just see him growing off the back of a few games and having a bit more faith in himself. And yeah. now he's really starting to grow as a player. Yeah. So those those sorts of things, they're the things that are the most enjoyable when you see an individual buy into what's going to make them good. And then it works for them and then they succeed and either play great waffle footy or go to AFL. They're, they're the
0: things that are really, really enjoyable. Yeah. Um, and that probably ties into the talent, talent manager role that you did. I'm mm. guessing um, part – like did you, wanna, did you just want to stay involved with footy and that was the opportunity that came up or is it because of that kind of thing that you enjoyed mm. that drew you to doing that role? I love At, that role. Yeah, yeah, I
1: love that role. Like, there's some bits I hate. Yeah, probably shouldn't talk about it. The, the, the bits I love was about going and you'd be out and about and you'd find a kid and might be a skinny, really skinny kid um, that's not getting much footy, but you know you know that in a few years he, he's going to develop and finding that kid and working with him and then them coming on that. That's the great part of the role, mm. and being a part of that sort of process to get them through to waffle footy—that's yeah. a bit you love. Yeah. And and, and the, Billy, you're in Bunbury, you're in Port, you know Port Embleton, Graitha, the Pilbara, finding kids everywhere, yeah, trying to steal players of other, other clubs <laughs> that don't raid them, like you know going and you know going and finding Tommy Edwards, and that's not me, but like getting a call from you know um, one of our mates at Wesley Curtin, and, and you have got to come down and watch this kid. Yeah. Uh, Bones Harmon is his name. Yeah. And and just going, you've got to come and have a look at this kid. You know, like, um, Prui, you know, going, this is kid playing twos at at Peel, Ethan Hughes, you know, like, like you've got to have a look. This kid's a serious player. Mm. Or or Lobby, you know, Prui again, you know, going, this kid's playing basketball. Let's have a look at this kid. Those sorts of ones. They're they're, they're great fun moments where you can do a bit of that. Yeah, And then, um, yeah, the, the worst bit about that is a bit like dropping players. The worst bit is... 80 kids with 160 parents attached to those 80 kids coming in at 14, coming in thinking you're a genius, thinking you're great because you put them in a squad, and then at the end of the day, I'm the one that cuts the head off 95 of them. Mm. That's that. Yeah.
0: Well, what do you do though? That's just the situation that you get put in. Yeah, it'd be (laughs) tough though. Um, And also, uh, oh yeah, just on that as well, I think um, Swans have always been good at developing young kids, and like it shows with how many kids we've had drafted versus probably how many finals we've played, as bad as that might be to say. But I think you've always done a really good job in driving a lot of that too with what we've had come through. Because I think Swans has been known for the talent that they bring through that ends up going on to the, mm. to the next level. So I think it's sort of a testament to some of the work that you've, you've done as well.
1: I think, yeah, I think there's a bit of circumstance as well. I think it's been a very good zone. Um, Real blue collar zone Which brings with it Some issues as well <laughs> um, <laughs> Yep <laughs> Yeah I oh just mate Like we're We're different to Claremont You know A lot of people Are driving around in Mercs And got yep. mum and dad Living in In Peppy Grove And we've got Guys living in You know I'm not being disrespectful But like we got tough You know Kids out of t- Really tough backgrounds Absolutely That don't have The same level of support So And the other thing as well Is like It is a great zone The talent's as good as anywhere But um the other um, great thing about what happened because of having no coin is that a lot of kids have got a lot of opportunities over that period of five or six years. Yeah. A lot of opportunities to play bulk footy that, mm. yeah, that allowed them to, to come in. like Even lobby, you know, like who came in. I can't remember what year that was. 13. 13. <laughs> like if we had a recruiter to Ruckman in 13 and yeah. he's developing through the twos, does it happen differently? Probably. Yeah. You know, does Broadie, you know, Broadie's – sort of you know he was playing bit part games and stuff and like but 2014 or 15 i think was his breakout year and we are playing i think it was 15 but we we're just playing babies mm. in 2015. like babies everywhere yeah. um does he does he play that many games and get drafts
0: probably not yeah you know yeah which is good to see but yeah i, I is a good one i don't know how much i want to talk about lobby but that's all right <laughs> 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 um you, yeah, no, nah, yeah, that's a, that's a story right there. Uh, you you play, you coached the 2018 Colts or Grand Final too. Just mm. mention that. Um, there's a lot of guys who are playing league footy here now who played in that Grand Final. I've, had, I've actually had a few guys on who played in that game, or at least one. And we've talked about it, but yeah, yeah just that's that's another one up stadium and the rest of yeah, it. But, it'd, be, it'd be nice to see what some guys have done because that's more recent as well. They yeah. are cur- and are currently doing right now. Nathan Ireland's one that comes to mind straight away. Mitch Bain obviously played Seb Bright. They've all played league footy. Yeah, Germa. Germa as well. well. Yeah, yeah, yeah I would have been missing guys. Yeah, yeah so that, 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 that's another nice one too.
1: Yeah, no, it was a great day. Right? Yeah. A great day. Look, like, I've never – I must admit that game, we got beat. Yeah. And we got, we got beat badly. When I say beat badly, like I saw what was going to happen. I told – the hierarchy of the WFC, what was going to happen. Mm. It happened and it compromised the game. Um, but I've never, and that was a disappointing thing, I've never been more proud of a group of kids. Because yeah. like that was the zoning stuff, way. wasn't it? Yeah yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah, so we're, we were quite clearly told. And I've got it documented. Like You zone, you push players back, no matter what the time of the game, you'll get the sack. Yeah, Because it was run by the WFC at that yeah. stage. because like, you knew would yeah. get the sack as the yeah, coach. you would get the sack, mm. yeah. So when it happened in the last three minutes of the game, and I didn't level the numbers up because I had Hiltz and uh, Jake Pissini behind it, and I'm like, nah, because I got told there was going to be a free kick, paid thirty meters out from goal if it happened. So I don't, I didn't level the numbers up. I just let it happen. Yeah. So I, en- I ended up compromising our kids. Yeah. Didn't give them a chance to win because they had three behind it. Um. And it was yeah, it was a horrible ending to a ripping game. So the Subi kids were outstanding. Yeah, but our kids were just so good. Yeah, they, mate, like because we'd been beaten. I think all all four games that year by Subi, mm. and they their effort and they was still one of my favourite games. And like because of Bainey, because of Sebi Bright, because yeah. of Gas. You know, because of Germa. You know, like all these kids. Jared Cameron. You know, yeah, those kids. Jared's like, another one. Yeah. Um, you know, Hiltz. You know, Jakey Pasini. All those kids. They Denver, just tried, Denver Granger. They just tried so hard. Yeah. And to to look, the bad tasting mouth was still the most proud. Yeah. What about that? Yeah. yeah that was the proud games of I've ever coached. Yeah. They were superb. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, so it, just quickly, you would have had a lot of good stories over your time with coaching. Who? Mm. who what's the best one? If you had to pick, can you pick a vest? Is a bro, is Broadie the best? Broadie's the best I know. <laughs> Broadie's of, <laughs> like just in terms of guys who yeah. exceeded um, what might have been the expectation, or that you had the opportunity, obviously, to work with a lot that then went on to, and not necessarily went on to AFL, mm. but just went on to even if it was in the waffle. Mm. Like just yeah, who was the best? Who was the best, or can you not pick one?
1: Yeah, no, no, I think there's the the club, there's a, a heap of them. And Brodie yeah. is the best one, mate. Like, yeah. me and Brodie used to fight, mate, like hard, like over, over not selecting him. And, mate, oh, you know, I'm happy to say I got you 100% wrong. But with him, I, I sit there and go, I, I got anyone... him with what he needed to do to be a player. I got him, footy-wise, I got him 100% right. But then he matched that with... Like he's a rat bag off field. Like rat bag. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, and I know what, the biggest lad you've ever met. Yeah. And what he what he did, he had that one crack. He had that one crack where he got himself rip and fit, like did everything right. And he yeah, that was ninety nine percent of him succeeding with a little bit of tidying up his game. Yeah. That was a great one from the club. I'm yeah. not saying me, but like the club. Um even the you know, like the lobby story, you know, of how, you know, like lo- lobby comes in with Jakey Newich. And we know Lobby loves cash, all (laughs) right? And so so Smarty goes, okay, we'll offer him 500 a game because you'll look at it and go, 500 a game. It wasn't costing us anything at the time because if Lobby rucks, he just replaces the other ruckman who I think might have been Wes Lammy at the time who's getting the same money. So it doesn't cost you any more. All it does is like we would never ever offer a kid 500 a game, sight unseen. It was just to make him sign yep. and, and have a crack. Yep. And like just that, that knowledge of what was needed at that time to get Lobby to have a crack, mm. it, just knock, it knocks that over. Like the way what cl- um, the club did for Sonny Walters, mate. You know, it's when Sonny got kicked out by Ross Lyon, and probably quite rightly, he wasn't fit and all those sorts of things, but the way the club sort of rallied around him, um, that was yeah, that was an incredible story about getting behind a player. You know, the... You know, Lukey e. Adams when he got hurt, you know, the way the club rallied around yeah. that, that kid and his family. And I'll yeah. tell you some stories about Smarty's involvement and, and, you know, some of the stuff he did and the support he gave through that period of time. Mm-hmm. You know, like they're, they're the great stories that probably not, not, people don't know about. Yeah. But th- this club is an amazing community club and has given kids a lot of opportunity. You know, the support, like, the support to um, Snoozy, mate yeah like
0: yeah, yeah. mate yeah. like
1: seriously like this this club, what it did, like multiple but like hundreds of people just to support you know um Dale to get yeah. an opportunity dale gar yeah. Now, it didn't yeah dale didn't he didn't make it, but boy geez, you know the the support that you know truck mckay and 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 Brodie and Hodgie and all those guys gave and uh, across as, as as teammates and then Pruitty and all the coaches just to to get that kid an opportunity mm. it didn't work, yeah but like that's what waffle clubs do yeah it's incredible what they've what they've done over the years yeah
0: there are a lot of good stories in there um that you're involved in too hundreds yeah. um just quickly i usually ask about got players about yep. what how they balance being a waffle player with um having to work or study full-time but i know that you're you got a strong interest in horses you've probably had a bit of success and a bit of failure with horses as well but one thing i wanted to ask you it got like i wanted to ask you and it also got mentioned by someone else was tell us what you do with your retired horses because you've got a bit of property out in the swan valley yep and tell us what you do with your retired horses
1: nah they're all still there yeah
0: they're all still there yeah but but specifically who you get in or who you've gotten in to help with your retired horses
1: uh like oh, the yeah the oh well, we don't do that uh, much anymore so that's you have yeah, done yeah. that yeah yeah, yeah so we they have been involved um a little bit not the cuz some horses mate don't have the character for it yeah <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> some are a bit flighty and what yeah so when, when my wife more than me um but there is across WA there's a company called riding for the disabled and um incredible Incredible to watch young autistic kids or kids with physical disabilities like get on horses and gain confidence and begin to communicate better and all those sorts of things. And um, it is an amazing organisation. I Haven't been involved with them for two or three years, but yeah. we like we we did that for years yeah. and years and years around the corner, which was amazing. And and um, one of the one of the great, really crazy things is autism and horses, how the how that goes together and how things can change. Mm. you'll have a kid that's screaming, like a nonverbal kid that might be screaming. And uncontrollable, and you put it on a horse or next door horse, and the kid will completely calm down, and the horse will just sit there and go catatonic. Yeah. It just knows. There's a communication there that's really quite special. Yeah. Um. So those sorts of things. Oh, yeah. Because it was just around the corner, and we used to go every Wednesday for years and yeah. years and years with a lady that ran it called Jan Pavlinovich. So, um, it's yeah, you know, it's a great organisation, and uh, one we'll get back into, I'm sure.
0: Yeah. And is that that's one of your big, I suppose, passions outside of footy. Horses? horses,
1: yeah, I love the horses. I've got a few. Like I love, I love fishing. Love my yeah? fishing. Yeah, I yeah. love my fishing. One of the good things about a talent. Yeah, got a, got, got a boat. Got a boat down in Albany. Not not up here because one of my best mates, Matty Klucas. So I play a lot of footy with. Him. He's got a ripper. Yeah, so I just jump in with him. But, yeah, nice. Um, but, yeah, no, I love my fishing, love my horses. Uh, I love watching footy. I love – Yeah? Yeah, yeah. I a bit love of a one. nuffy? No, I'm right into the multis, you know, like the AFL <laughs> multis. Not, not, not waffle multis, you get into trouble. No, yeah, but I love, of course. Love, gamble love, responsibly. Gamble yeah. responsibly. But the good thing about the talent thing was the fishing because yeah, yeah. Like, you'd start at lunchtime and finish, <laughs> it, finish at eight, you know. You, you, that was your day and, and weekend. So you'd take the mornings off of yeah. weekdays. So. yeah. Um, that was a great thing about being able to get out and have a fish yeah, every morning nice. and then roll into work at 11 or 12. Yeah. That was one of the greatest yeah, bits nice. about it all.
0: Uh, and now Atlas Copco. Atlas you were Copco. Atlas Copco? Yeah. yeah doing?
1: Right. Uh, it's a company called Construction Equipment Australia. Yeah. I, yeah, sell, okay. I, I look after Atlas Copco, yeah, okay. which is, yeah, it's very boring. There's big generators and big light towers and big compressors yeah, and just, yeah, fun, yeah. just fun stuff.
0: Yeah, I've, I've had a little bit of involvement with Atlas Copco yeah. as a supplier. Yeah, yeah it's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And I'll get to work with… The other side of it is all the, like the toys, all the backhoes and the rollers and the diggers and stuff like that, which are really cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's like being sort of back in the sandpit. Yeah, bit. so enjoying that. Yeah, love it. Yeah, yeah, I should have done it a while ago. It was, it's good and it's probably my first real job. It was my only <laughs> job outside of footy. So
0: it was, yeah, really good fun. Yeah, no, very good. All right, we've got a couple of segments yep. to finish off. We're, yeah, nearly, we're nearly there. No, we're it's nearly good. Um, quick fire questions. Yep. So best sledge you've ever heard or copped? if any, and you can move on if there are, but I imagine there would be with you.
1: So this is, this is a good one, right? So, and that needs anyone that's listening and how many, how many listeners you got? Me? No, Joel, does all that, but uh, we're going to go with, we're going to go with plenty. (laughs) Okay, plenty. All right. So (laughs) Michael Breskison, who you you know very well, this is the best ledge I've ever got, right? So, I'm probably lacking in the chin department. I don't have an extended chin like John Travolta. So it's sort of half <laughs> half neck, half chest, maybe with a touch of chin. So Michael Breskerson said to me the other day, just out of the blue, he's just going, how do you fold a sheet? I'm like, what, what are you talking about? You know when you like get a sheet and, <laughs> and hold, it under your, hold it under your chin to halve the sheet in half? Yeah. So <laughs> And Mickey goes, i just have no idea how you've ever folded a fitted sheet on your bed, and oh. I was like, that is that's po- quite possibly the best sledge I have ever received in my life. <laughs> so
0: that's not even like a playing one or anything. That's just out nah, of the blue. <laughs> nah, <laughs> like no, my, my
1: ones because I've got a rude head and that. My, I was like, I got sk- like, it was like, just, like what? What against the real good ones? I was like, yeah. uh, who did you? You know, why are you out here? All that sort of stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. This is probably isn't that applicable. Hardest training session you've ever done.
1: Oh, the one where Pavlich died. Oh,
0: yeah, that the, one. not literally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or nearly. Like <laughs> yeah, of, nearly. <laughs> in nearly. In so, the time so trial.
1: Yeah, Pav comes across for his first training session. Yeah. It's at Aquinas. Yeah. We do a 7K We do yeah a seven k soft sand cross-country run. Yeah. And then run six 1Ks on six minutes. And on the fourth one, he ran, you know, the, the old building and the hill goes up to the yeah, old building yeah, yeah. on the cricket oval. He ran off and just ran into, there was a tree, he ran into a tree, started clawing in his mouth, tried to rip his mouth guard out because he got so dehydrated and it was so hot. Oh, and right. In the end, we chucked. they chucked him in the back of the property van threw ice all over him, ended up in intensive care.
0: Who was looking after the training session? Who was who orchestrated remember, that? I cannot <laughs>
1: remember, but like he was so close. Mate, yeah. so, he, we nearly killed him. It was yeah,
0: no right. do, you, do you watch too much TV? Yeah. Last TV series you watched?
1: Oh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm an SVU man.
0: Okay. Mm. Yeah. Dun, yeah. Dun. <laughs> yeah, that's good actually. <laughs> no I should get that played in here by yeah, Jolie. Yeah. I'll get her on yeah. it. This might be hard, but if you can answer it, yeah. I don't know how I'm going to ask it, but three people you take to dinner dead or alive. And then normally I ask three teammates, but maybe I could ask three. Well, it could be three teammates you take with you to that dinner, or it could be three people you coach that you take with you to that dinner.
1: All oh, right. Well, I'd want Percy back.
0: Yep. Just for humour, yep.
1: yeah, yeah. I want Percy Johnson. Yeah, he's an absolute cracker. Yeah, take Davo, Ryan Davis, hundred percent. Yeah, and third, and then I take Amesy.
0: Yep. Yeah, yeah, just okay. for the lunacy. And then one that you wouldn't,
1: that, that I wouldn't. Yeah, that you avoid
0: or that you wouldn't, and that you just and because you, you go, through, you have to throw someone under the bus here. Is what I'm looking under for. The bus. Yeah, pick one.
1: Can I can I justify it by saying that I think he's a great person? Yeah.
0: But I I'm still going to get it back to that. Piece. Yeah, yeah no, no.
1: <laughs> I wouldn't take Wade to me. Okay, foot, uh, I'm talking footy. Yeah, that's right. footy. Foot, not life character. <laughs> I'm talking footy character. I hated this his. This might footy. be good impetus to get his him footy on. Footy character. Yeah, okay. And he uh, he didn't have much time yeah. for me. I'm sure. But like, I think he's a fantastic guy, ripping fella. Yeah, this might be but.
0: impetus to get him on.
1: Yeah, get him on. Um, footy
0: character-wise, we butted heads hard. Yeah, all right. I don't know. Well, I don't know if we're going to be able to get right, through get for this because I have got dirt on you yeah, or go. stories on you. Yeah, all it. right, so we can whip through them maybe. But yeah. um, what are your recollections of the chat that you had with Talon Ames in his retirement or twilight years at the Bassendine Hotel?
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he just like he was going through some rough patches, <laughs> eh? So yeah. I, there was a lot of me listening.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And him getting upset. And, and how did you find it? Like, did, oh, you, did you know what you were getting into?
1: I don't, I don't like, I don't think anyone ever likes watching people they like cry. Yeah. Especially <laughs> males. I reckon there's nothing worse than watching a male cry. So that was good. But oh, he, just, he was always very, James is sort of like, he's all here is very open and uh, with all that stuff. Yeah. So he was always good. And late, like, uh, it's, you know, with Amos, it was just, if, you know, if he thought he could do it, have a crack. Yeah. You know? And yeah. he was good. Like, right at the back end. He was really starting a battle. But yeah. he, he didn't pull it early. Because yeah. I still remember him playing in the final against West Perth out of year two thousand and seventeen. He was yeah. very good. Yeah. yeah. Next yeah. week. Not so good. No, but but how many were he, good the next week? No. Everyone was cooked. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Um all right. Driving down to Bunbury with Perth, who you yep. mentioned before, and apparently Doc Blakely, yep. the first thing you made him do when you got down there is the first drill he ever did was run in a straight line. Correct. What was that all about?
1: Oh, uh, he was <laughs> Like, literally, he looked like he had a, an impediment. <laughs> he was so uncoordinated. It was so bad, mate. And he just, he would, when he ran, his he his right foot, for example, would run and cross over across oh, his no. midline of his body and, and and land outside his left, if that makes sense. Yeah. So he was just, it looked like he was going to fall down. Yep. yep. It was a disaster.
0: And um, how did um, he go with that I, I made
1: him run and he wasn't <laughs> allowed to put his feet across the line. Did with he, so his right foot couldn't. The outside of his right foot didn't go onto the left side of the line. Yeah. And so we made him run up this line just so he could run and yeah. And we made every session we did, we
0: made him do that. Just and so he got more comfortable with movement. Did he manage to? Yeah. Over yeah, okay. time. <laughs> Over <laughs> but not time. straight away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not straight away. <laughs> oh, I I can only imagine what Perth thought of that. Horrific. <laughs> All right. Apparent so you you did a bit you done a bit of work at Ma- Mandoon. Yep. Yep. And look, I I've heard about like Lockie, Lockie Gray. I think you said, bright, these kinds of guys, um, you know, uh, wrecking cars. Yep. But I never thought I'd get you in that same conversation. So I, apparently – I bogged a
1: car. Appar- I well,
0: well I've been told you reversed over a pine post. I did. And the post got stuck and the car couldn't move. <laughs> no, no. I, yeah, I
1: beached it. It was hard. Like a, you know when you reverse and you can't see what's behind you, something low, and I just got it all wrong and then hit this pine pole which sort of – the car rode up over it and then the back wheels were off the ground. Yeah. And I was trying to, because I was with Alex at the time, Alex Howard, yeah. and I, I was just trying to get out of it before someone saw it, but then Alex found me in, in a kerfuffle and um, <laughs> and then told everyone. So it wasn't, yeah, no, nah, it wasn't my fault. <laughs> I didn't wreck the car. Bit of mayo put on to, it. It was concreted in, so we had to get a chainsaw to sort of cut the pole out. Like, yeah, it was, right. yeah, it wasn't good.
0: It's funny that it wasn't even how he gave me that. Oil. It would have been Prue. no. Nah. Is that all really boxy? <laughs> nah, nah, you still <laughs> <Truck>. haven't. Nah. <laughs> yeah, I know, it's incredible. Anyway, yeah. it was Tony Knott. Oh, Tony. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Out of left my, field. He's my favourite, <laughs> <I? laughs> um, Did you pick up Dale Garlitt one day when he was real sick? Yeah. You had to go pick him up mm-hmm. and you guys were playing in Mandra yep. and he kicked six and one off his own boot? Yep. How, how was that? What's oh, look,
1: well, he rang me and I was picking Prui up. So I picked Prui up from the valley. Darling says I can't play. He used to be in Cavisham. Picked picked him up with Pruy. He's cooked. I don't know whether he was sick, been out, got no idea. Yeah. But I rang the doctor at Free A Ken Withers, and I said, mate, what can we give this kid that is legal from the chemist? <laughs> <laughs> and he said, this suit of fed. Don't give him that. Give him this, give him this, all these nose things. Anyway, so stop stopped at the chemist. Probably spent 80 bucks on him, all right? Probably literally leaning into the back of the car and squirting like, stuff up his nose like to clear his sinuses and stuff like that because the kid couldn't speak. He slept all the way down, all right? We pulled him out of the car, isolated him at full forward, played on Flaherty, their captain, kicked seven of nine. Oh, seven. Kicked seven of nine, I think, from memory. Win the game. I put him straight back in the car with all his gear on and he slept all the way home and we kicked him out in Cavish and went for a beer.
0: That's incredible. Yeah,
1: that is true incredible.
0: story. Um, <laughs> he could ha- play. Oh yeah, how oh. many how many fights did you have to break up between Smarty and Percy before they turned into punch-ons?
1: Oh, hundreds. Yeah, yeah, hundreds. And then there's so many times where Percy gave him three months suspension and just wouldn't speak. Yeah, but yeah, they they always in the end you always knew that they were going to get back together and and be friends again. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Um, king of kicking floaters at players at training yep suggestion that that might have been because you weren't a very good kick 100% that, oh you, yeah. you not, go, what, not, you, not you, going you, back at.
1: no nah, no nah, you just nah. find what you're good at and you're <laughs> developing and into a bigger skill
0: yeah um, recent this is the recent one did you um, try to stop people from breaking into your neighbour's place hmm. and were fighting them tooth and nail to <laughs> keep them on a roof or something
1: yeah, no, 100%. Yeah. Um, so I got a call from some mates of mine um, or a mate of mine. His wife was away. And he's got three little kids. And uh, he said, people on my roof. Yeah. So I just grabbed, grabbed a pool cue, of all things, and ran up the road. And sure enough, there's two people on the roof. <laughs> and I got them off and I made a citizen's arrest. Did it, oh, really? 100% got one. Got the job done. Yeah, got the job done. <laughs> well done. And um, And yeah, I was stoked. Yeah. I was 100% oh, stoked. Beautiful.
0: Beautiful. Now, this one, if it's true, it's funny. Apparently... Lane Spanderman got dropped while you were coaching. Yep. And he knew he was going to get dropped, apparently, Correct. as well. But then, and, and he, he, he used to leave training a like lot straight away, mm. didn't stick around. So you couldn't no. get a hold of him to tell him. Couldn't get him. And apparently, you were trying to call him. Um, and he told you on the phone that. He was going to slit your throat if you didn't give him his match payment. (laughs) Is that that true? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) How do you react to something like that? So
1: he knew it was coming. (laughs) I tried to get him back. I said, mate, you've got to come back so I can drop you face to face. He knew I was going to drop him. And we owed him some money and no bull. And he used to come around to my place for tea. And he goes, yeah. He said, mate, he goes, I'm not coming back. I said, well, you're not playing. And he goes, that's fine. But I said, if I don't get the cash that I'm owed, I'm going to come around and slit your through. Yeah, okay. That's <laughs> and in- I actually believed him. That's
0: incredible. And the uh, very last one, because yep. I've got the A team, but I'm yep. going to have to get you back oh, on to yeah, tell yeah, you no, another time. But the last one I wanted to mention was that you, how does it feel given that you're been at a blue-collar club for so long but you're actually a white-collar player?
1: A hundred percent, but I come from Albany. All <laughs> right, so that's
0: blue-collar. Yeah. I had a
1: couple of years as being white-collar. Yeah. Yeah. Went to Frio that was blue-collar, and then and this is definitely blue-collar. So no dramas, mate. Yeah, okay. I've been blue-collar the whole time.
0: No, very good. All right, you've got an audience here because you are got a division. So yeah. lastly, I just want to thank yeah. you for coming on. No worries, And you, you also gave me my league opportunity as a coach, and I played Colts under you. So I was looking forward to this chat, and we're definitely going to have to do a part two, but I hope mate, you've so enjoyed it. I have a and lot. And I hope all these blokes give it a listen. You'll have to get them to give it a listen. Well, they might be our only... Listeners. Well, yeah, well, that's all right. If we get 20, <laughs> we'll be pretty happy. Uh,
1: yeah, then I'll hear how hard it is for me to drop them. <laughs> <laughs> all right, cheers coming on, Steve. Thanks, Thanks, mate. See ya. Thanks, buddy.